Yes, hello. It's Jason Louv. Welcome back to the Ultra Culture Podcast. Today we have back on one of our most popular guests ever, Bailey J. This is her third time on the podcast. She is wonderful. She's a great friend of mine, and we had an awesome conversation about all kinds of stuff. This is marked E for explicit on Apple iTunes, and so close your ears if you're not into that. But uh, great conversation. Big news also, we have re-released for Memorial Day the Introduction to Magic course. We have re-edited it. It is in like awesome awesome video quality because we use like a $3,500 camera to film it and awesome sound quality. It is been, it has been super edited into bite-sized content. We have a, the full course manual there. It is now the, I can say this, I think without reservation, probably the best introduction to magic you can possibly get anywhere. It is now the first thing you should take on magic.me if you're new to the school or if you have taken courses before i highly recommend taking it also because during the production of this course something really interesting happened which i may have mentioned before i ended up really remarkably simplifying magic into a new actually it ended up becoming a completely new system which I call binary magic in order to signify binary code as in the most simple level of the computer. And so if you know computers, I kind of think of chaos magic. It's been 50 years since chaos magic happened. That blows my mind. Chaos magic was a simplified, real, simplified magic down really, really well. I would consider it like assembly code in computer terminology. Binary magic, I think I got it even simpler and more potent and more effective and in a form that anybody can use and immediately start getting results right away with and without having to buy into any dogma system, even the extra trappings of chaos magic. You can do it without any tools. You can do it without adopting any type of um, symbol system or, or kind of even anything recognizable as the occult. I'm actually really proud of it. So all the details are in the course. You get the whole system and how to use it. And, and I think that you'll be very impressed with how, how simplified it's become. Okay, so that's Introduction to Magic. It is now back available on the site. So go check it out. It's at the top of magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. And all the details are there for you. Okay, with no further ado, please welcome back Bailey J, my friend and yours. Welcome back to the show, Bailey, after way, way, way too long. How's it going? It's going great. Um, it's been maybe two, two years, I think. I, I th think it might be more, but my brain, really? is, my brain is so blurred after COVID, like time doesn't exist for me anymore. So. Yeah, time means nothing. And I'm medicated now. I'm on Lexapro. So I, I have absolutely no concept of, of time. How's, how's that going? Really good. I fought it for a long time. I was very anti-medicine and I was kind of like red pill about it. Like I was just <laughs> like, you know, like that's what they do. They get you on the medicine. And then my mom was addicted to med like my mom was addicted to every pill under the sun. And, uh, 
So I was just very anti-medicine. And then um, for what it's worth, I was able to fix my OCD probably 75% within three weeks. Uh, And before that, I had done 10 years of self-help books. So I was like, oh, okay, there's something wrong with my brain. There's also a physical reality also. Sometimes it really is that simple. I've learned not to have an ego about that too. I mean, the it's crazy too. It's like, like for instance, just with depression, right? I mean, people who don't actually struggle with depression have no conception of what it actually is. They're just like, oh, well, just you know, smile and go outside. It's like, no, you don't understand. It's like having a weighted blanket on you all the time. Like you have no energy. That so, so. If it, my attitude is just like, if it, if it helps do it, life is short. You know, it's like, we're here to, we're here to live our lives. Like, I don't get, I don't get the whole like granola mom anti-medication thing. It just, it's just one tool. Use every tool you can get is my, my attitude. Someone actually said, I, when I was trying to like, I, I, I always do everything by just analyzing everything to death. Like, should I, should I not, should I do it? Should I not? Someone brought up this really good story in an article, um, it was just when I came across and he talked about like, it was basically him coping with uh, being on the spiritual path and being on a pharmaceutical. And he said he like went to see Ram Dass one time. And I guess some guy like wigged out in the audience and like ran up and was trying to bite Ram Dass. <laughs> so How did, yeah. maybe he tastes good. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, uh, so the guy was like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to see how Ram Dass deals with a situation like this from a spiritual perspective. And Ram Dass was like saying, somebody get some Thorazine for this man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the guy was like, Oh shit, he needed Thorazine in that moment. Yeah. So that was kind of his, his experience with it, but maybe, I'm just maybe. doing the middle path thing. I imagine Ram Dass taste, tasted like 70 years of like weed brownies. Like all easily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I um I was when he passed away that was a um a weird a weird adjustment for me. I don't I don't usually get phased by death. I've had a lot of death in my life and my my mom died and I I just I just had a lot of death. Um I've had friends die since the last time we spoke. I've had a couple of friends die and um I deal with it really well, but then when Ramdas died, I I felt like orphaned or something hmm. for a second there and I had to process that. Were you following him or really into him? Or are you? It's weird. I wasn't, I wasn't like full on, like I didn't go to speeches. I didn't go to things, but he was, he was someone whose talks I went to when like I needed someone that was radically inclusively compassionate and wasn't doing the squeaky clean hay house energy. And because uh, I, I have a mental disorder that makes me think I'm lower than whale shit at the bottom of the ocean. I don't need a squeaky clean mom to tell me how yeah. wonderful she feels. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that soccer mom, granola mom harshness is completely uncalled for, yeah. as we've seen from like, like Facebook groups where, you know, like I think we've seen definitely during the pandemic, like the, the granola mom axis is definitely to be, to be watched out for. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's how I feel about it too, though. It's just like, I, I, I really don't understand actually when people get this weird thing where they see, I'm actually glad we're talking about this on the podcast because it's actually, actually, I think important to talk about on this topic. There's like, you know, everyone is just trying to get through life and we have so much better technology now and far and 
biotechnology now than we've ever had before. There's all these things that people have put billions of dollars into creating to ease human suffering. And so to right. get to get like a complex about that, and it's like the funny thing too is like there's times where I've had the complex about that, but I'm like doing like dirty street ecstasy and things like that. So it's like like everyone totally. is self-medicating all the time. It's just like sometimes you really got to step back and and say like, look, there there's a there's an easier way to do this. Why not make life easier for yourself? And and self-help. That, it's that magic. work smarter than harder thing. That as a Catholic, I am on some core level completely opposed to. It's like, <laughs> oh, a car is honking. Hold on, sorry. Is that the Scientologist? It must be. But like as a, as a re, you know, recovering Catholic, it's like, well, if you don't suffer and feel the pain of Christ on the cross, then you're not actually getting anything done. And that was always kind of my, um, I joke that that's why my husband who went to Catholic school for years and years and years, that's, I say that's why he likes Listerine, because it's just like, you feel like if you're not suffering, it must not be working. <laughs> so I, I have some of that in me where it's like, with them taking medication, I was like, you are skipping over some karma you have to deal with. You were born, you chose a life with uh, OCD. You chose a life of feeling like God hates you and life is horrible and you're an irredeemable demon from hell. And you're supposed to overcome that because that's what's going to shape you in this incarnation. And you were taking something to ease that suffering. And you're just going to have to do this all over again because you're taking a detour. I mean, that was really... And then I, I actually had people on the path who were... Uh, bolstering that around me oh boy well here's the thing i mean it's like life is never not going to be hard <laughs> you know it's like you're gonna, like you can't <laughs> so don't don't worry there's always enough suffering to go around you know it's like <laughs> absolutely but, but it's funny because i am me i actually and i i get I, I act like I am myself. I, I actually wrapped a whole theological framework around this where I'm, a, I'm I suppose, a Thelemite. So the whole Thelemic collection, uh, uh, the whole Thelemic conception of the universe, that I think we've talked about before, is, you know, letting, like, completely overthrowing the aeon of Osiris, the aeon of the dying and resurrected God. And basically what that means, practically speaking, is completely, completely jettisoning the, jettisoning the idea that suffering somehow improves your spiritual state or, or suffering is good for you. And, and the whole aeon of Horus conception is, no, it's a kind of the non-dual perception of like, you already are everything. You already are infinite consciousness. And you're actually here to just enjoy and learn through experience, learn learn about yourself by experiencing the world. So the conception of God in, in that, that paradigm, that framework is of God as an, as a child playing with the universe and just endlessly playing new games and learning new stuff. And so for me, I love that. I do. I do too. It's much healthier, I think. Because I, I definitely have the like <laughs> Mother Teresa not giving people painkillers. <laughs> like oh I have, I do have some <laughs> of that mentality of like, it's it's uh, um, Richard Smoley has been really good for me. Um, I think I'm Who saying his that? name right. He wrote, um, I believe it's called How God Became God in Inner Christianity. He does kind of a Gnostic vibe, um, but he's he's like a um, I'm, I'm going to butcher his title, but let's just say he's very academic when it comes to I guess he's a theologist. So he does a really good job of kind of separating 
the bullshit and misconceptions and ideas of Christianity that became popularized, like when they became popularized, like the idea of Jesus dying for our sins. He's like, why well, we can actually mark when that rhetoric started oh, way after the Bible. When, when was that? I me not smart enough. It but, but was later. It was yeah. later. I, it was, yeah, it wasn't okay. like it, 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 at least his contention was like, these kind of concepts of like, um, I'm, I'm washed in his blood. So now I'm fine. Like these kind of concepts were, were after the fact. And he's like, you can actually, I, that's why I recommend his huh. books because I have goldfish brain, especially being medicated. I, I really do have goldfish brain, but, um, I have a lot of trauma from religious thinking and, um, it, it helps when he's like goes into like how 666 was likely the numeric symbol for Nero. And like, it was, you know what I mean? I'm sure you've heard that. It's yeah. just, he, he kind of just goes into that. Um, so then it makes you wonder when the, the ghost bros are like using <laughs> the their ghost bros. Yeah. What are, they, like what are the six, ghost six, bros? I call them ghost bros. I, I think it's ghost adventures. I call them ghost bros, but they they're they're like the like the Zach. Oh 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 oh, oh, oh yeah yeah okay no I get it. It it was kind of like when I realized six 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 is kind of this arbitrary thing. Um, when I when they go in their machine, their ghost machine they have, and it's a six six six. I'm like, oh, it's the demon that's get. I'm like, oh man, d- these demons might just be dicks. You know what we're afraid <laughs> of, and they might just be saying dicky stuff. A very a very Crowleyan comment. The uh, uh yeah, there's I actually there's a book. There's a great book about that called Revelations by Elaine Pagels, where she basically shows what Revelation actually was. It was people kind of writing this. I mean, it's probably a record of a psychedelic trip, but it was written in like 70 AD and it's people observing, observing Nero destroying Judea, you know, and, and the Roman Empire just destroying the temple, the temple and them being like this. It's the end of the world. This sucks. Nero is the Antichrist, but we're going to win in the end. And it's kind of like this narrative of dealing with this, this imperial event. So kind of like it's it, it's kind of like a Bronze Age political cartoon that was very contemporary for when it was happening and doesn't really relate yeah. to what's going on now in any way. <laughs> Yeah, totally. The really hilarious thing about it that will piss off Christians to no end is that Revelations is actually an anti-Christian document. Believe it or not. Well, I mean, wouldn't it? I mean, again, eighth grade education over here. But I mean, isn't most of the Bible kind of a, a pro-Jewish cult in a way? Yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of what it is? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so she she shows in that book where she says that like basically after after the death of Christ there were kind of more or less two factions of Christians there were the Jewish people that accepted Christ as the Jewish Messiah which obviously many of them most of them and still do not right so there was this small cult uh, essentially that was, had you know said Jesus was the Jewish 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 Messiah and the Jewish Jewish majority just did not and still does not accept that then so there was this persecuted group in Judea and then then there was St. Paul who just opened it up to the whole world and said Jesus appeared to me on a in a vision and said everyone's you know like in, anyone who accepts Christ is now the temple and 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 the if you think about that politically it's like you know Jewish people hated that they're like are you kidding you're saying any no like that's not how it works and so the the book of revelation is 
written from the perspective. So interestingly enough, the most of the New Testament, particularly the St. Paul stuff, is written from the perspective of the universalizers and the people, St. Paul, wanting Christianity to spread through North Africa and Greece and all of this stuff. But Revelation is written from the perspective of the Jewish followers of Christ. And they're saying when they're, they're talking about the synagogue of Satan and those who say they are Jews and are not, they're talking about Christians. They're saying these people are like pretending they're Jews and they're going to be punished for it. (laughs) So that whole book is basically saying like it's Christians, like the so-called Christians that are going to be punished at the apocalypse because they're fake. You know, it's like anyone in the church is basically like a poser. So that, that is no one ever, no one wants to think about that. I mean, imagine that, imagine like the Joel Austins of the world processing that, you know, or the John. No, he would just, he would blink into affinity. Like he would, <laughs> he's, a, he's a blinker. I've no, whenever I think, <laughs> it's just, he's, a, his, I feel like his eyes are open and closed. Like, equal, equal that's so down. scary. Like, Have you ever seen, I went to a Walmart recently and they had a Joel Austin inspiration cube. Like you put it next to your bed and you, you tap it and it, like it's Joel Austin quotes come out of it. No way. I mean, okay. I mean, that checks out. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have one of those, but it's Golden Girls. I feel like. That's- oh, that's even better. That's even that's way better. Yeah, I was going to buy it. And I was like, do I really want it in my life? No, not even as a joke. Did you follow that thing where like they like somebody was doing work at his church and like they peeled back a wall and like all these bricks of money fell out? No, I oh, love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And then in that what was it in that hurricane? What was that hurt? Like basically there was the hurricane, right? Where he was just saying like, no, like people were stashing their expensive cars in the church and he wouldn't let anyone come in. There, there were armed guards. Yeah. Like, it's just like, come, come on. <laughs> like, And then apparently they were embezzling money and hiding it in the walls. And like, basically it was like when they found it, he was like, Oh, who put that there? It's like, Oh, somebody put shit in my pants. I didn't shit my pants. <laughs> totally. Totally. That see, sometimes I always say life has bad writing. Like sometimes reality, because that's such a cliche that's so on the nose. If someone sent that to me, I'd be like, this is a little on the nose. But like sometimes life is a bad writer. Like I, I joke about that when I was a kid and told my mom I was trans. I was like, mom, I'm mad at God because he accidentally put me in a boy body instead of a girl body. And I was like, if someone gave me that, like, what do you think of this writing? I'd be like, this feels like a huge trope and really stupid and kind of like not very inventive. But like, yeah, sometimes life has bad writers, lazy writers, I should say. Particularly when it comes to conservative Christians, they have particularly bad writers. Uh Did you see the whole Madison Cawthorn thing? No, who's the wait, who is I? He's this kind of like Trump, Trump, super Trump, young Republican. Yeah, you know, I, you know what? I don't even know if I want to repeat this on air. You, you, people can Twitter it. It was basically he just he did an epic self own, where this really lewd video came out came out of him, and he claimed that it was like you couldn't even tell who it was in the video, and then oh, Madison Cawthorn. Yes, Madison Cawthorn. Is he kind of hot and in a wheelchair? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I um. This is so not even worth me saying, but maybe I'll say it. I have a theory he might be kin. I have a theory we might be related. What? Yeah, big, my, that's that's a big reveal right there. Plot twist. I, I mean, I, I I have no idea. The only reason is because uh, my uh, father's last name is Cawthorn, spelled the same way, and they all have the North Carolina accents. They're all from North Carolina. Well, funny you say you're kin. Do you, do you know what the video was? No, why? Is he a furry? 
No, well, <laughs> that would be awesome. No, I would vote for him if he was a furry. No, he, uh, uh, it was, uh, I think of him having sex with his cousin in this completely disturbing way. And, what? but I know it's like him having sex. I think don't quit alleged, look it up on the internet. I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I did see the video, but the thing is, it's like him just kind of like, you know, I think like face fucking his cousin on a couch and just like hopping up and down and making these bizarre animal noises. And I'm Googling this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I jerk off to straight guys horseplay. <laughs> literally, that's what it's called. It's like horseplay. And it's Whoa, like uh, yeah, platonic, yeah. platonic, like platonic homoerotic uh, roughhouse. Well, this what this wasn't so platonic. Uh, but you you will I'm glad I'm glad to hip you to this. So so but the hilarious thing about it is the video went out on Twitter and you couldn't like no one no one's faces were shown, so you couldn't tell who it was. So then Madison Cawthorn responds and says, The left is the 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 you know, the progressive left uh, is trying to take me down. We were just horse playing. That was you know, like it <laughs> it was just like just don't say anything. Don't say anything. Self-own. Oh, that's it's just hilarious. a little innocent roughhousing. That wasn't me. It was Antifa. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah, those Antifa super soldiers. Oh, uh, that's a uh, that's a lot. I um, I am. But I'm trying to think of a word. This I feel uh, so alone politically because I have uh, equal amounts of things I think are crap about both sides more and more, and I. I, uh, I, I mean, I guess it's a good thing because it's a group thought is gross and, and dehumanizing, but I did have kind of adjust like during COVID during a lot of stuff, I was just getting off of social media and not being exposed to an algorithm showed me how beautifully complicated and deep and nuanced my thinking actually is and how it's been hijacked for the whole time I was on social media. Um, and so now, that's the main reason I'll never get back on because I'm like, they wouldn't have an algorithm for me. It would just, it would always be, they just wouldn't, they just don't have one. I'm, I don't have a, I don't have my pronouns in my bio and I don't have Patriot in my bio. Like I don't have a camp. <laughs> you, you should definitely go the Patriot MAGA. Yeah. <laughs> Patriotic dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dark MAGA. That would be super funny. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, in, in, in seriousness though, I don't know if I've ever felt more politically alienated than now. And that's saying something. It's just like, I, I think for me, the whole, the big, the biggest theme of, you know, particularly 2020 to 21 is just the malevolence of crowds and group things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, so again, like I have a mental disorder that is by definition, just incredibly reductive. It's like, it's, it's the way I view myself because of my, my brain is uh, I dehumanize myself. I reduce myself to my most unforgivable things. I, 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 it's just, I'm just very reductive. I guess it's the easiest way to put it is black and white thinking. It's, it's cognitive distortions, like up the ass and Twitter and social media in general is inherently really reductive and dehumanizing. So like I'm I'm I was literally entering this world where it was giving validity to all my cognitive distortions and it was like just bolstering my mental illness and I was like this isn't good for me. And if people have the sea legs for it, god bless. Like that's great, but I it was um it was quite literally driving me insane. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a pretty common experience. I mean, I I I think somehow had the foresight to never really go into Twitter, but I did, I have been a 
an epic troll on both Facebook and Instagram, particularly Instagram, because the stakes are lower. But Twitter is just a cesspool. But I think there's been a lot of but but I, I ended up feeling the same way where it's kind of like I describe it as like getting into the mosh pit, where it's like, particularly for a writer, it's really tempting to just make like, just like, see, like poke at people's biases or make a, you know, make a it make a an agitating statement to just get people riled up it's good for engagement and all that but it's also just like as a writer it's fun to it's fun to troll right so but then but then people would latch on and they always want an explanation like, oh explain that what do you mean by that or they attack you and it's you get drawn in and it can ruin your right now you got to qualify everything and then you just it, it's just becomes now you're just like it's a you know it's a losing battle you're just you're in a digging a hole for yourself and even if it was a joke in the first place now all of a sudden it, it's getting like worse and worse so and i think it's that's actually destroyed a lot of writers my and it's not just so i stop completely it's really bad for mental health it'll it, you know just one what's the cost when you really think about it of just one ruined day even one day that you spend mulling over something like that and, and, and i can't trust myself to not let something something get stuck in the in the brain trap like I, I i can't trust myself to walk away from something not not uh engagement like fighting i mean internal engaging like ruminating and i just i just know how my brain is has a bias towards getting stuck on things and so someone could say something negative to me and i already have a tape recorder in my brain telling me i'm garbage so all i need is for one person to affirm this and uh, it's a, it's it's a friend and and being on medicine, being being medicated and and uh, doing self help at the same time, it has helped huge. Um, but I just, it's a bigger risk with me. I, it's it's a it's a further fall for for someone with a brain like mine. So I just, yeah, I have similar stuff. I I get way too wrapped up in it. So I'm getting, <laughs> it took me this long, but I'm getting better and better at disentangling myself but it's like like did you did you follow the whole thing about Anne rice and amazon reviews N no what oh happened my with god Anne rice? so re rest, rest in, in peace uh saint saint Anne rice basically like there's a lot of writers have just particularly boomers have just been like not prepared for this i mean i spent so much time in just like the dregs of the internet and growing up on forums that i feel like i have a um, sea legs to some extent as you say but it's still it's still negativity but like boomers are just completely unprepared for it and or or gen xers i mean brett easton ellis got really sucked in and ended up writing a whole book about it and then going on fox news to talk about it because you know like every every dude over 50 now has to be on the cancel culture like money train but right the, the um but yeah Anne rice would like people would like leave bad amazon reviews on her books and like i get that like you know like it, it could be like especially if you're you know like you can get like 300 good reviews and then one person can say this is against christianity or i didn't like this one you know this is too political or the binding wasn't good on this or just something really dumb and you just and it'll drop your amazon rating which writers live and die by basically so you kind of got to be have some humor and distance about it but Anne rice did not she ended up like just spending like a year just like personally getting into the comments and responding on and the reviews on Amazon and responding to everyone and like just like going like how dare oh, you yeah. and like all this it was just this utter like you know like the worst like the worst writer meltdown of all time and just you got you get feel, I had no you feel idea. bad for you know yeah yeah it's just like you got to step away from the keyboard you want to be like your Anne Rice you want to like 
it's I have that I have that relationship in my head with Madonna, where I'm just like, you're Madonna, you're already you're you're Mickey Mouse, you're a logo, you're like already this thing that's established in pop culture. Like, you don't you don't have to twerk. Like, just sit down and you know. But it's this same energy of like, don't you know who you are? You're Anne Rice. You don't have to argue with this schmuck. Like that's the thing, yeah. But in the moment, it's like it it feels like somebody's calling you out attacking you a threat for writers threatening your livelihood so it's like but yeah it's like i think particularly for i mean particularly for public figures on social media it's like you got to realize there is there's the stage and there's the mosh pit and don't get in the mosh pit you know like keep it keep it separated you know you can let people post whatever you can delete stuff if you want but don't respond i mean how often do you see people really confidently laying into their points in, in, in reality. Like it's, it's, I try to, would try to remember that Twitter is, it's like hanging out in someone's screaming pillow and then being upset that things are chaotic. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's That's where they go to scream into their pillow at the end of the day, because they have no control in their life. And, and Hey, OCD, it's literally the crux of the disease is uh, I have no control. Let me have control over these really arbitrary aspects in a neurotic way. So um, I would often compare someone sending out a tweet like this will save the world. It, that's not that different than flicking a light switch on and off 50 times so that the oceans don't dry up. Like you're people are tweeting to save the world and it's uh, not yeah. going to happen. It, that's <laughs> that's a compulsion you have. It's OCD. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, like my, at the end of the day, I really, began to think that it was probably a mistake to take all of human communication and put it on the machine that we use to play doom you know what i mean (laughs) like it's like i really think there is something to that where people were used to computers for or they're used to electronics for video like aggressive video games where a certain segment of the population are, are just grew up on you know, I've games where you're trying that. to let, you're trying to like take people out and overcome them to get to the next level. And then all of a sudden you put Twitter on and it's like, of course, they're going to carry over, even if they're not aware of it, they're going to carry over that mentality of like, I need to vanquish everybody to, to particularly in Twitter where you're basically scored on it. And you see right. the language, like, so-and-so gets obliterated, <laughs> like, SJW <laughs> gets fucking annihilated in this argument. That's a porn genre, though. It's like the Ben Shapiro porn genre. It, it, it's, it has such a pornographic, like, vibe to it. It's, <laughs> Do you ever but, see the picture of uh, Ben Shapiro when he's, like, 15 and he, he's got, like, a giant uh, katana and he's in his front yard? <laughs> Wait, it's is, my favorite. I've, I've seen people circulating that picture saying it's him, but I've seen I've also seen that picture like forever. So is that actually oh, him? Oh, oh God. I you know what? It might not be him. I hope to God it is. Even if it's not him, it's true in spirit. I can make fun of uh, that because I was also that person, you know, with the fingerless gloves and everything. I still have a katana and I, I have no shame about that. I, I am, I am a nerd. Nerds are my people. What can I say? I had the, um, the haircut that I thought was really punk where it was short in the back and long in the front. And now I realize it's completely, it was just a, can I speak to the manager? Or I need to speak to your manager haircut. Like I thought it was really badass, and then I was like, I'm pretty sure the mom from John and Kate plus eight has this haircut. 
<laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. I, in fact, I'm wanting, I'm going to get another katana now and name it facts and logic or facts and reason or whatever he, he says. It's like those, those atheist memes. It's like science is my blade. Reason is my, my shield or whatever. The classic white knight memes. There was a fake tweet from him going around for a while that said like, um, her name must have been facts because she didn't care about my feelings. Oh, it was my, fake. my favorite Ben Shapiro meme ever is there was just one of him standing next to Jordan Peterson and he's like a third of the height <laughs> yeah. of Jordan Peterson. And it's just like Jordan Peterson looking really concerned. And the caption is, is, uh, uh, you have to let Ben have a turn on the Xbox now. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah so how have you have you been still keeping up with magic uh was it for a lot of people they got way way back into it during the pandemic i was just trying to survive but and teach magic but but yeah. uh how where where are you at with that if you don't mind me asking no i don't i don't mind at all i i i'm pretty sure i mean it was crowley who kind of said like everybody's doing magic I'm, I'm paraphrasing clearly but everybody's doing magic all the time so you might as well be educated on it because it's just you're already participating in it um and so in that regard i think i i tend to view things through a frame that is gonna that i'm always trying to move my soul forward i guess is what i'm saying so even mundane things i i try to use last time we were on i talked about doing um i talked about doing uh sitting with people at Alzheimer's and finding myself thinking about what is consciousness, because this being has light in its eyes. It's, it's, it's living. It's, but, but they have no idea of their story. They don't know their story. This one woman's holding up a picture of her and her husband on a cruise ship in like 2007. And she's going, who is he? Who is he to me? And so she doesn't know her story, but she's alive. She's here. She's uh, can feel emotions. And, uh, and I can have a moment with her, but she doesn't know her story. So, so that would be an example of, I was just going to do, um, something nice. And then it was, it ended up kind of taking, I guess my brain just tends to process things in a, in a, in a trying to figure this out, which is so silly, but just trying to figure this out. Like, what is this? What is consciousness? Is she alive? Like, is she, she doesn't have her story and she's still alive. So maybe when we drop our body, maybe when we, when we, die and if you believe consciousness survives physical death which i i tend to think the data points that way um the idea that you're going to continue to be yourself you're going to be this ghost longing for your husband who left you at the altar and all that's horseshit because your story's not going to be with you and you can still exist and so it was um so so in that regard so similar to that is is during covid and during all that other stuff um I was using magical thinking. I, 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 I started talking to, um, I think her name's Natalie Sudman. She wrote a book called um, Application of Impossible Things, which is an NDE book. Um, but Richard Smoley had mentioned it in, I hope I'm saying his name right. Richard Smoley mentioned it in a book and he kind of co-signed on it for me, which is, uh, and he talks about how he doesn't really read a lot of NDE stuff because, frankly, they're all really similar. And once you read one, you kind of get a vibe for what a lot of them are going to be. And um, But he liked hers in particular. So I got the book. I read it. I loved how pragmatic she was. I loved how sarcastic she was about things. Like, 
she just seemed to be a little bitter about not bitter. That's that's an overstatement. She was a little funny about the new age scene, which I appreciate because I'm embarrassed. I find the new age scene to be pretty embarrassing a lot of times. So she's just kind of like, you know, she doesn't she doesn't give a lot of credibility to like crystals or whatever. Or she's just kind of like, ah, this is kind of a thing. And she's like, uh, but she describes her NDE and it's incredibly pragmatic, at least the way she, maybe after she reads, you know, she's retelling it after the fact, maybe she just has a really practical slant to things, but I needed that. I needed something without fluff. I needed something that was like uh, telling her story. She was blown up in a, um, in Iraq, uh, she, I always get the acronym wrong. It's not an IUD. An IUD. An IUD just flew. They should, they should redo the Hurt Locker without, without <laughs> IUDs. So she, um, so, so, uh, you know, someone blew up the Hummer she was in. And um, I, I don't believe she was there as a, as a, in the armed forces. I think she was doing something with, um, mapping something with maps or something and so um but so it it blew up and she snapped into instantly snapped to um a different level of reality and uh anyway though she talks about it in her book i was really fascinated by her i liked the cut of her jib i liked that she was kind of sarcastic i liked that she was like a real person she wasn't like a, a you know just an angel food cake about it and so that was that was really cool um so I talked to her a couple of times. Like I, um, I paid to FaceTime with her twice uh, during all the COVID stuff and um, just kind of picked her brain. And um, so I would do little things like that. I would, I would get stuck in a subject, get obsessed with it and pick it apart. Sometimes things that were really amazing, sometimes things that were just confusing. I went down a, a huge research rabbit hole that I had to pull myself out of on uh, kind of that satanic ritual abuse. Oh, boy. That's a that's a dark that's a dark tunnel. Did you ever read? It was a. Did you ever read Transformation of America? No. Oh yeah, you got to read that if you really want to get darked out. The problem is like at like post Jeffrey Epstein, it's like can you really say it's not happening? I don't know. There's I I was able to pull out things that had a lot of credibility behind them that were separate than some of the the usual rhetoric. it was so, so there was kind of an interesting thing for me of like not throwing out the baby with the bathwater kind of thing where it's like, okay, so, but Oh my God. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's um, Uh, (laughs) no anyways, that's very, that's very true. Um, So, so there, there were some things in there that would get lumped into it and kind of swallowed by it. And it kind of made me think like this QAnon craziness is like the best thing to ever happen <laughs> to anybody who could be engaging in these nefarious things because it's um it's because uh, like so on one hand we have like Hillary Clinton's drinking baby blood but then on the other hand we have that, Epstein where like that's, that's true his- Cle- clearly that's true <laughs> <laughs> I heard that conversation in Florida it's true in there spirit. was a table of there was a table of grown men behind me at a sushi bar and they were like. Hillary Clinton is literally a witch. I mean, she's <laughs> drinking baby's blood. And it was these men in suits. And I was just Whoa. like. Yeah. One thing that I've learned in my life is like this idea that there are rational adults. False. False. We're all still in school. Yeah. We're all still, we're all still in elementary school. It's um, I've come to realize that when I was a kid, I was like, I can't wait until I'm a grown up and all this dumb school stuff's out. And it's uh that's not the case. Yeah, unsadly. 
But yeah, the QAnon thing is embarrassing. It also wigs me out because it's kind of the return. It could very easily, I mean, it is the return of the satanic panic in the 80s. And that, that could so easily just turn into, you know, picking on occult people or punching, you know, like people have nothing, no power, basically just picking on people who are in, interested in alternative thinking and saying, oh, they're Satanists and they're, they're part of Antifa and all this nonsense, you know, so, so it is funny, like the QAnon thing is hilarious to laugh at, but it all, it, it is also concerning because it's, it's not going to go, we've seen like, even like it, it outlived Trump or Trump's presidency rather, where they just said, okay, they just wrote him out of the narrative and we're just going to keep rolling this ball of crazy. And it doesn't really matter what the narrative is. We're just going to keep it going. And that's kind of what it is when you want something to be true, which can be said about a lot of things that have been happening for the last two years. When you want to see something, it's what you're going to see. It's kind of like when they talk about police officers where if you're a hammer, all you see is nails kind of thing. Like it's, it's that, that that's kind of everybody. I mean, if you, if you were incredibly pro the mainstream narrative on all the COVID stuff, regardless of how many fucking jerks and, ch and changes it made, if you were just able to roll with every punch and then forget that that was wrong and forget that this was misinformation five minutes ago, but then you waited out and now it's not misinformation. I mean, if you were able to just keep up with all the craziness of that, yeah. And then still come out of the saying, yep, that went perfectly. Like that was, <laughs> that was where, how you went into it. And then there's of course, people who uh, will say it's not real. And then uh, someone close to them dies of it. And, the, and they're still like, you know what I mean? So it's just. Yeah, it, I know it's, it's really a stressed up, but, but particularly the aspect where everyone was kept isolated. So they're just, all they have is the internet to get information, you know, assuming. That, well, and that's what we're all doing with the algorithms. Yeah. We're self-radicalizing. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I was talking to someone. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I talked to someone about it recently and I basically like Ellie, every element on earth, every element on earth, when it is concentrated enough, it becomes a poison, right? It's just like anything in, in a high enough concentration becomes a poison and your algorithms are getting stronger and stronger and stronger of an element. Like it's just going to become a more potent and more potent and more potent version of that element. Um, whether it's on the left, whether it's on the right, whether you're an anti-vaxxer, whether you're think Fauci is the second coming of Christ, whatever it is, it's, it, it becomes, it brews. I'm, 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 I'm mixing metaphors here, but it's like a tea bag and just, it, it brews stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So uh, at some point that element is going to be so concentrated that it's going to become a poison. It's going to kill would, you. Would you say we're all being tea bagged by social media companies? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually have a solution for that. I, mean, I don't have solutions for many things, but I do. I, I recommend everyone go back to RSS readers which are, they just take, you know, they aggregate blogs and news sources that you want to follow into one place. There's a really good one called InnoReader, I-N-O, that I use, but there's free ones. And it's kind of like this situation of like the Chad RSS reader versus the Virgin social media algorithm. It's like, okay. Yeah, RSS readers, they're, they're an old technology, but that's how you get proper news on the internet you basically it's just a program where you load in all of the newspapers magazines blogs podcasts you want to follow and then it gives them all to you in a constantly updating feed of just the headlines like a ticker oh that's cool so you can just go through and you can easily page through everything that's happened and what you want to follow that day and you just make sure you and and with that it's really easy to make sure that you follow contradictory sources follow left wing right wing you know follow, i follow everything i've got i've got like 80 800 000 
thousand things in my RSS reader to catch up on. So I will literally load every news source I can find onto it. And then it's a little bit out of control, but you can follow specific topics. You can organize into topics you want to follow. Like I follow like technology, web three news, and you can't, and that, that way that forces you to not pick and choose your news or have it served to you by an algorithm that's out of your control. So that's my recommendation to everyone. It has been for over a decade, the chat RSS reader versus the virgin social media algorithm. Yeah, that's, that's real. See, I kind of unplugged from everything and I, I feel like I'm going to figure, I'm going to find a way back in. So that might be interesting because I, I, so so I, I've been doing an exercise where I specifically listen to uh, new stuff from 20 and 30 years ago um, hmm. because I watch how seriously it's taken. I watch how I watch the fear. I watch the And to see those things ha- had never come to fruition or had come to fruition in a much more innocuous way, that has been really good for me. Nothing's better than listening to archive episodes of Art Bell and everyone talking about Y2K. <laughs> I miss Art Bell. Oh, the, the, you can go on uh, TuneIn Radio, and they have twenty four seven archive of Art Bell. Nice. It's uh, it's great because you'll just hear people being. The best is listening to the psychics because you're listening to an episode from twenty five years ago, and the psychics are just like, well, like all just all this insanity is going to happen, and just they're like, well, in the distant future, nineteen ninety nine, like all this <laughs> shit's going to happen. Yeah, I love watching science fiction movies where it's like this dystopian hellscape and it's like, in the year 1997, humanity has nuked itself into oblivion and mutants walk the desert. Yeah, that's kind of the same (laughs) thing for me. Yeah, it always and that's kind of it is amazing. Somehow, I think there really is like a mass magical thing to this. Somehow, I mean, we're all projecting our fears at each other all the time. But if you really want a testament to humanity, it's like somehow... Broad, not for not all the time, but broadly speaking, the for the everything kind of works out. I mean, now I it's easy. For, like, okay, I'm saying that at the moment, it's like Ukraine is happening. People are starving. There's the country's falling apart. It's like there's all this terrible shit. Nuclear weapons are back on the menu. So it's not like I don't see any of this stuff or worry about it all the time. But it's just like somehow we kind of wake up the next morning. Now, eventually, as as you know, I remember watching Chris, Krishna Das talk about this, and he was saying, like, look, you know, like, we're dodging bullets every day. Eventually, you're not going to dodge the bullet. Eventually, that bullet's going to connect. But if you really think about how many bullets we dodge every day, and everything's pretty much fine. And yeah, it's going to happen someday. Sometimes you can't dodge the bullet. But by and large, like, we wake up the next morning, and things are, you know, you might be grumbling, there might be irritating things. But by and large, things are pretty much okay in the grand scheme of things yeah i it, it there there's like this impulse when when because th- those things are incredibly true but there is this impulse of like you're not taking it seriously enough and and or 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 like like in response to something like that like like no that's dangerous to think that way people get really angry you well right right yeah. and i i that's why when i i kind of live my life thinking about extended consciousness and how this is just a temporary thing um I, I, I never want to b- d- diminish people's suffering, but I also am just kind of like, wow, we're really all just trying not to die all the time. Like, why are we so obsessed with living? <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, I when, and, and, and I, so I don't say that publicly very often because it just doesn't sound nice, but from where I'm coming from, I'm kind of like, okay, worst case scenario, I die. And I'm like, a, I'm like an infinite thing. That's my worst case scenario. Like, 
because I'm, I'm genuinely convinced of it. I mean, I'm, I'm not um, married to what that means or what that looks like, but um, I think consciousness survives physical death. So then I'm just kind of like worrying about something and going, Oh, right. I'm going to die. And I have like all of forever to keep doing this. Like, cool. How do you feel about the light? <laughs> and what, what I, the light, what I mean by that is like with NDE literature, literally everyone reports that they see a light and they're supposed to go into the light. Right. Yeah. So there's some tropes that come to the, that, that are like, everybody knows the tunnel, uh, the life review, the like, you know, there's like these, these things, but um, John. Oh, bad with names. Let me write Jeffrey Long, Dr. Jeffrey Long, who runs NDERF.org. Um, and he uh, wrote a book, Evidence of the Afterlife. He um, breaks everything down in st into statistics. And so kind of the tropes we know about, you'd be surprised like they're lower than other tropes. Like they're not as common, hmm. even though they're in the the, the cultural, con like cultural conscious. But um the light thing that is that they it's a bright light that doesn't hurt their eyes. Assume, you know, using eye, the word eyes loosely. That's interesting. They say it's a bright light that doesn't hurt or doesn't. Um, the main thing is radical, unconditional love and understanding. But they're not all the same. Our consciousness is play is paints it to some degree because there's different aspects to it. I mean, and people do have distressing NDEs. I mean, that does exist. The reason I ask is you, maybe you've come across this. I, I think I've seen this in several different places. It's like in some of the occult literature where people say like, no, don't go into the light. It's a trap. It's like the, like it's the aliens trying to beam you up or it's your, your soul's going to be devoured in the light. I think David Icke was talking about this. He's, I've heard know. people say this. Yeah. So what's up with that? Cause that I've heard that a few times and it kind of wigs me out. I gotta say. Almost every person I've heard say it, uh, was an, a little bit of a nutter. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not convinced. Um, cause I, I have heard that they're actually on art bell. There was kind of this joke of like that trick, that something like that light you see, sometimes that light you see at the end of the tunnel is an oncoming train, kind of like a, a joke about life. But, uh, the vast majority of the cases are so overwhelmingly positive in a way that's like radically, like just radically inclusively lovely and um, kind of like hatred can't exist because basically hatred's usually a fleeting moment, uh, a fleeting feeling. Things like self-loathing, hatred, really despising somebody. All it would take is you seeing a video of someone you hate at their parents' funeral or seeing their dog get hit by a car for you to completely dissolve that hate. Uh, at least in the moment. And uh, hate is so fragile. And I do come from the, the headspace that anything that's impermanent is inherently not real. Um, the only at the end of the day, if if infinity, if infinity is infinity, the only thing that's real is something that stands up to infinity. It's the only thing that's fundamentally real. If every, anything that can be destroyed wasn't real in the first place. So it's the idea that when you you're you know drop your body and you enter this mass consciousness that it would be a place of unbelievable love and compassion and warmth doesn't feel pollyanna and one dimensional to me because it's the constant it, the other stuff is super fleeting the hatred 
you don't actually hate anybody because you just don't. You can't. It's impossible because it you can't hate someone forever. And uh, there are circumstances where that hatred will lift. And if it can't last forever, it was never real to begin with. So even if you hate somebody, you don't. It's an illusion. Like, sorry. It's just it's a it's a it's a cloud. I think you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the whole Tibetan Bardo thing. No, I mean, maybe what is, Oh, you should, that's like the ultimate NDE thing. So yeah, I mean the Tibetans basically say that when, or I say Tibetans, Tibetan Buddhists, right. Say that of certain, certain groups, particularly Nyingma, Nyingma have this, the Bardo is the period in between lives. And they basically say that when you die, you're all this stuff, you're confronted with life review. But for them, the life review is lasts for 49 days in between incarnations. But basic, basically, the, the simple way of putting it is kind of what you're describing there as your baseline frequency. And I've heard from Tibetan Buddhists and also Sufis that it's kind of like your baseline frequency that actually determines your whatever you want to call it your karma your next incarnation or just where you are after you die it's like you you go with your baseline frequency because i think there are definitely people with hatred as a baseline frequency i mean you can cultivate all kinds of stuff as as a baseline frequency but that that is i think kind of at least what these traditions say is that's kind of like your default setting is kind of what matters but your default setting shifts based on what you cultivate year after year so obviously you want to cultivate good stuff i i think i think that's very true it's uh, i forget where i heard someone talk about your job isn't to be good your job is to be yourself and get and get to good basically which is paraphrase um and uh because I think we all know what it's like to try to slip on a shoe that doesn't fit, to try to be more altruistic than we actually are. It feels fake. It doesn't actually get anything done. It makes us feel disjointed and removed from ourselves and resent ourselves for being wired the way we're wired. So I, I tend to feel a lot of peace when I when I do kind of remind myself like, oh, my job is to be where I'm at and evolve into something nice, not to fake altruism ahead of time and like you know what I mean? Try to like force something that just isn't there right now. Also very, very thalemic. Just you do you. It shall be the yeah. whole law. And I get people twisted around a lot. I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, do what thou will. Oh, it's basically what you just said. I mean, it's, 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 it's the idea that you pretty much have a sense of who you, we all pretty much have a sense of who we are and who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do in this life, even if it gets covered over with all this social conditioning and second uh, second guessing ourselves okay. and religion and all this stuff. So the whole the, basically, it's just to get to your core of who you really are and live from there uh, rather than it's not a I mean, it, it it's not necessarily like a an anarchist statement. It's it's not a but it, it is in fact Crowley would say it's it's a call to way higher discipline than than most people are capable of and I, I would agree with that. It's basically just, you know, that the path of becoming the most yourself rather than the old idea of you know um kind of groveling to somebody else's image of god or you know all these other old religions are one size fits all and somebody came up right. with it thousands of years ago and it's like you've got to cut yourself to fit the cloth and thalema would be the opposite it's just like you know you're already born with divinity so just follow that so i think it's pretty simple when you boil it down like that well and and it it makes sense because if you look at humans 
with your idea of what good is, which is usually super conditioned in them on whatever trauma they have, whatever religious upbringing they have, whatever their experiences are, um, you know, whatever cult leaders, people like that. Like when you look at them trying to force things to be a certain way, it turns ugly fairly often. I mean, when they're trying to deprogram gay people or whatever, and I know in the sixties, it was even worse just having kids in like literally kids in cages and, just absolutely abusing them in the name of trying to force them to using religion as some sort of like rigid splint against their beautiful chaos as a human being and force them in this one thing, they ended up just abusing and, and damaging a, a, a lovely little person. Oh. So it's, yeah, that's um, when, so when people point to Crowley as evil, when, or when people point to an idea of a fluid figuring out yourself as some sort of potential for evil and very dangerous, it's like, well, you have the examples of rigidity causing all sorts of yeah. horrors in this world, like right in front of you. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, even in the 80s with the satanic panic, it's like they were accusing. I mean, Jen got run out of England. And, but, you right. know, all the, or what happened to, you know, Michael Aquino and all these people, it's like, you know, they were just making up these stories about people eating children and all this insane stuff. But it's like, who was actually abusing kids? The freaking church. You know what I mean? It's like a, the classic shadow projection. Well, and that's the thing. That's kind of why I did my dive into studying satanic panic and satanic ritual abuse and all this other kind of stuff. And and it's, uh, it's, um, I'll hear anybody out. You know what I mean? I'll hear, I'm, I am a data whore. Give me data. Show me things. I'm I'm here for it. I try to not be um, too stuck in my ways on anything. I'm like, oh, teach me. Like, let me know what's up. Um, but yeah, I do notice people tending to break their neck. Like they're going to sprain their ankle looking for something that's right in front of their eyes. The Boy Scouts of America and right in front of their eyes and these, these, these very altruistic things. And uh, it's just kind of like, why are you doing cartwheels to get over here and and having to fill in the gaps and make these yeah. connections based on weird symbols and, and 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 synchronicities that may or may not exist when something is just on a silver platter in front of you saying hi this, this is actually happening. so it's, it is interesting yeah i've really that is something i've learned as time has gone on in my life it's just like I, I always use occam's razor and it's true in magic too it's just like always go for the obvious answer because it's most likely true if you're literally well it's exactly what you're saying if you're having to do mental gymnastics and cartwheels it means you're trying to force something to be real which means it's probably not so but yeah the QAnon thing i, I think the Q, like i think everyone should really be aware and read up and if they're not already if they didn't live through it about the satanic panic and see what happened because you know it's just it's just scapegoating you know it's like people who are into alternative thinking or the occult or sensitive goth kids just got scapegoated and just you know, and it was before the internet, but I don't think that not having the internet now is a Hail Mary pass because of look at QAnon, but this whole QAnon thing could turn so easily into, into that. And uh, I think people should be aware of what, what happened there. Cause it was a really scary time. I mean, I think I said on the podcast, like, you know, Anton LaVey had to have his windows painted black and hit like Zena LaVey and people and his people in his family would have to like crawl under the windows because people were shooting every time they walked by because people were shooting in the windows. So, I mean, Christians and like fundies can get real horrible. Well, and that's what happens when you're able to dehumanize any group. 
whether it's the unvaccinated or who, or, you know what I mean? Or, or even trans stuff. Like I'm like, I, I miss, I miss the days when people didn't know what it was <laughs> sometimes. Like I, I miss a part of me misses when people didn't know what transgender was because they didn't have an opinion on it. They didn't care. It did. It wasn't their politics. What, what do you feel? Well, there's a bunch of people with strong opinions on trans stuff now because it's a hot topic that didn't that didn't have their heels dug in. It didn't wasn't on their radar. They were just kind of, they just didn't have their heels dug in because it didn't represent a liberal idea for them. And if they're super on the right and they view my existence as a liberal talking point, they might dislike me because I'm an extension of, you know, their opposing team, their opposing sports mm -hmm. team. And uh, that's why I, this sounds weird. And I've, I've, I've made a couple trans people angry or defensive when I've said this, but I'm kind of grateful for conservative trans people every so often. Cause I'm like, Oh, cool. Now they have to hate us because we're trans, not because we represent liberalism, like it, or, or they have to hate us because they hate us individually, or they have to say, I hate this trans person. And I like this trans person. Mm -hmm. So it's, so in a way they, the, these conservative trans people are muddying the waters enough that they're having to some, at least some people on the right are going to humanize trans people and just hate individual trans people. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm kind of grateful of, for that. That's one of, one of the most surreal things of the last couple of years is for me, was Caitlyn Jenner running for governor of California when I was still like, like and Jen always hated Caitlyn Jenner and thought this should, person should not be a spokesperson for anything. But like watching like Sean Hannity really seriously interview Caitlyn Jenner as like the future of the Republican Party. It was like, this is an interesting timeline. It's someone broke the machine. And sometimes I just enjoy what's happening. It's. I, I was joking with my husband the other day that like we were trying to decipher what was the first thing that, that showed the machine was breaking. Just just this weird shit's happening all the time, you know, whatever. Um, uh, basketball man who used to wear wedding dresses in the 90s. Uh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Dennis Rodman vibing with dictators. Like it was like. We're oh, yeah, that was I forgot about that was so bizarre. Like he became BFFs with in, in North, with North Korea. Absolutely. And shit like that's happening all the time. Or like, you know, some movies coming out and it just looks like a joke from 30 Rock. You're like, what? Like, how is this a movie? Like an emoji movie or whatever. Are you are you up on Steven Seagal? No. Oh, my I God. Mean, I know. Speaking he was of things llama. like that. Oh, yeah. No, there's so much. That's an endlessly endless treasure chest. Steven Seagal, first of all, is a terrible person. His movies are terrible. His movies are be like the that like there all of his, you can get all of his movies streamed for free because nobody will even buy them. They're so like they're so bad. It's like he does all these like directed video movies now where it's like some terrible action movie and he's supposed to be like a special operative you know special ops guy in iraq but like you know like he spends the whole movie like basically everyone else does the action scenes and then every once in a while they cut to steven seagal sitting in a chair with like a do-rag and sunglasses on like saying something like yeah that you know like that's how that's how it goes or like something like supposedly profound then they cut back to everyone else doing the doing all the action things and he's supposed to be like the elite operative but literally he spends the movie never getting out of a chair it's really funny but like steven seagal is the gift that never stops giving he literally went to, to he got into tibet tibetan buddhism went to, to this is so good he went to tibet start got somehow got a Tibetan Lama to verify that he was the reincarnation 
of a really famous Tibetan Lama from the 17th century. I don't, maybe you paid him. I don't know. Maybe it's real. You never know. And then after he did that, he, he did <laughs> as, I mean, what would you do? I, I, I know that I would just kind of like think about that for a while, but of course, since he's Steven Seagal, he just sat under a tree in Tibet lecturing all the, all the Tibetans about what they should do about their religion. And then he started his own energy drink, Steven Seagal's lightning to, to, to capture the essence of the, the Vajra. I don't think it took just off. this just this giant baked potato with a soy sauce black <laughs> ponytail, <laughs> which I love. That's awesome. But it's so but like apparently he was like keeping like human trafficking people and keeping them as slaves at one point. And it's just like what? Like, yeah, it's bad. And like he became buddy buddy with Putin. And like he's like always like hanging out in Russia, like hanging out with Putin. And like it's it's bizarre i don't understand how somebody can be so weird the machine is broken talking. i'm telling you something <laughs> is happening i don't know so oh so my husband and i were trying to figure out when was the first thing like when did it break and i think we landed on uh, when that bird hit fabio in the face when he was on a roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> i saw fabio I saw Fabio in the gym at like what, like two in the morning in LA once and I was working out next to him and trying really hard to pretend that I didn't know who he was. It was kind of a, a, a beautiful moment in a way. That's really, what did he, did he have like a lace front wig on? Like, how did he look? No, well, he looked, he just looked, you know, like old Fabio, you know, <laughs> he, like he's, you know, he's past his romance novel cover days, but he's still hitting it hard at the gym. Yeah. He's super yeah, Republican. He's super what? Republican. He's he because he immigrated from Italy and basically he's always giving these interviews where he's like, America's great. Everyone needs to stop whining. Just work harder. <laughs> well, you know, I do. I do hear that from a lot of people who come from other countries. Like they're kind of like, we've got it pretty good. Like, you know, they oh, have yeah. like a we kind of never I was talking thinking about this the other day where I was like, no one ever talks about Western privilege like um it's which is absolutely a thing like it's um or even future privilege like the fact that even the most low rent house is going to have air conditioning which the kings and queens didn't even <laughs> yeah so i'm kind of like we have future privilege that's i love that no it's crazy i've seen some stats like for instance just having access to oil like being able to go pump gas gives you oil does for the average person the same work that a hundred slaves would have done for a king in the middle ages and that's not like owning oil. That's like just the fact that you have plastics and can go to the gas pump and there's electricity generated by, you know, generators. So that's crazy. And then, but literally if you look at, if you consider the world as a whole, like anyone who makes over something like 10 grand a year is basically in the global 1%. Might be a little higher than that, but it's, you know, pretty much everyone. And I really saw that when I was traveling more, it's like, you know, people in America, it's we, we are the global one percent like literally if you do the math i mean people have okay. no idea how bad people really have it but that said i mean like you know like la in the last couple of years you know there's definitely parts of america that are getting comparable you know in terms of the home the homeless in la and, and and methamphetamine and you know it's so so i don't think it's quite so cut and dry and it's not like me saying like buck up you know because things things well, are no. slid here yeah no, I I completely agree because it do, it does run the risk of sounding like pull yourself up by your bootstraps or you don't have right. it that bad. But I I it's real. It's just also perspective's cool. Yeah, it's like I would pull myself up by the bootstraps if the Republicans hadn't pulled the bootstraps out. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. I have a lot of friends who work really fucking hard and they're just like, I'm never going to be able to have a house like that sucks ass. Yeah. I saw a thing. I was actually really depressed me. I saw on Reddit a couple days ago that somebody posted like, you know, it's like, it was just a post. It's like, like, you know, my wife and I did everything right. We worked really hard. We saved up, we followed the rules. And then, and then my wife got cancer and it w- wiped out 25 years of savings overnight. Like fuck America, you know, f- fuck this system. So, and it's not like that in Canada. Yeah, I mean, that blows. The, yeah. The, um, Canada, it's funny. I have a friend in Canada and like, so he gets to go to the doctor for free. And uh, we kind of talk about it because it's, it's cool to talk to people one-on-one as opposed to just narratives because you can find out what the reality looks like. And, uh, and I have a friend in, in England and it's a similar thing where they're kind of like, I feel suicidal. I'm going to go to a therapist in six to eight weeks. And I'm like, six to eight weeks. And they're like, well, yeah, but it's going to be free. And I'm like, I could just walk into any fucking building down here and drop 45 to a hundred dollars and then have someone to talk to right away. And so it's, it is, it is weird. Yeah, that's true. That's the narrative you don't hear. I mean, I've heard a lot of people from the UK talking about the NHS and they're just saying like, yeah, yeah, we have socialized medicine, but you don't want it. The level of care is like terrible. Like, you know, it's like, I heard someone talking on a podcast, like, you know, their mom died under care from the NHS from just stupid bureaucracy and them not, not treating her correctly. So it's not like the idea, like, I don't necessarily know what the perfect, I, I, I do say that this is the question that should be addressed by everyone. It's like the meme, I just want healthcare, you know, but yeah, right. like this thing that I saw, like the person with the, with the, um, the, this getting wiped out 25 years income, like they had really good health insurance. So even in America, it's just like, you got to, you know, it really is a, it is a caste system. It's either you're right. rich or you're not. You and know, and, not and the bar like, for rich is r- way higher than people think it is. It's not like comfortably middle-class, like that's poor. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I, like I, I, it's like if you haven't being rich is having a yacht to dock your yacht in. Right. I, I tend to have like a, I don't even like to really touch on subjects like this generally because like I have an eighth grade education. I do porn. Um, I'm not super politically engaged. I mean, there's people who could do this all day on, on social media, right? Like just people who can, I'm frankly, I'm grateful for these people who can live in these, like view the world through these lenses and be able to argue points and have nuance. And like, they can talk about health or they can talk about things, but I, I've, I've learned from my husband because he's not engaged with certain things I am. And he'll say something that is just so common sense because he's not indoctrinated one way or the other that it like instantly refreshes an idea for me where I'm like, fuck, that's a really good idea. And so I, in some ways I, I, I do lend my voice occasionally cause I'm not engaged cause I'm not dug in on a side and cause I'm kind of like, well, that seems like there's a simple blah, blah, blah. And so it's sometimes just from the mouths of babes, as they say, like, it's just sometimes people, um, my husband said something the other day that fucking blew my mind. He's like, all these people save up money for their kids to go to college. He's like, fuck that. Just buy them a house. And then they'll won't throw their life away paying rent for 20 years. They won't have student loans. And then they'll have this nest egg that appreciates in value over time. And I'm just like, where the fuck did that come from? I'm like, that's 
kind of fucking smart. Like he's like, yeah, because then they just always have a house and they're not yeah. paying their mortgage instead of paying their rent. So they're not they don't, burning they don't their have, money. They don't and have to then, worry. Assume, assuming they manage it correctly, because, you know, we all know that when you're young right. and you're given things, you just just burn them. <laughs> you know, <it's> like- <laughs> Absolutely. My first apartment. Oh, my. I, I found out my grandma went in there after I left it. I abandoned it because I had roommates had cockroaches it was fucked for like no reason it was just so fucked and then my grandma went there to like grab something from there and she saw how i lived and i wanted to die and uh but yeah my that was my first like roof over my head on my own and it was fucking it was a cry for help it was fucking horrible that's a good way i've lived in many cries for help in my particularly in my 20s early 20s yeah yeah particularly in new york yeah Speaking of real estate, do you want to talk about your neighbors? Um, oh, okay. So I'm in Clearwater. I'm like 10 minutes from the giant Scientology building. Uh, That's like World HQ, right? Yeah, it's like it's it looks like a big fancy hotel and everybody looks like a concierge with a clipboard, like walking down the street, like talking to people about trying to get them to come in for a like an auditing or whatever. And um, they basically own the town. There's a bunch of buildings around it that have really vague names. Like <laughs> there's like a, no one's in any of the buildings and they're beautiful and they're lit up all the time. Even at nighttime, the lights are on inside and uh, the, the, the molding on them's stunningly beautiful, but nobody's in them. And um they're called like the, oh, what was one? The Iberian, no. Hold on. The Albanian Islamic Cultural Center of Scientology, or like um, the, na- the neighborhood the neighborhood outreach program of life. Like it's like this <laughs> random, it's like, these got these amazing titles. It's a, it's a global outreach organization, <laughs> like just these <laughs> random word salad titles on them and no one's in any of the buildings. And so it's fascinating to me. We drive, we drive down there regularly just to like, it's like driving through an exhibit. Like you're just like, you want to look at everybody. That's so weird. I, I used. I think I told you one point. I used to live like literally right next to that huge blue Scientology building in LA. Oh, they call it like Big Blue. Big Blue. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got to observe them for many years. So bizarre. But it's it's funny because it's this. I mean, that's not hard to do in LA because they literally own like it seems like half the city. But it's the same there. They have all these buildings and no one's ever in them. And I think the deal with Scientology is that it's basically a real estate scam because they got tax exempt status for being a religion in the 80s and so they can buy that's why that's why like the cat that's why these religions are so damn like i should do this like that's why that's why these religions are like so loaded like the catholic church is like the the catholic and mormon churches are the biggest landowners in america because they can buy real estate and just not never pay tax on it and so they're just loaded from that so they have all this stuff but it's the same it's like there's never any they have all these like 
supposedly huge, impressive buildings that are like, yeah, like concerned citizens against psychiatry or like, you know, the planet crew yeah. and broadcasting station or like whatever. And there's like never anyone in them except for they're, they're basically slaves. They're alleged pardon me they're alleged slaves and it's allegedly a real estate scheme i don't know these things for sure i'm ale- it's only alleged it's only hearsay you're but, gonna get me killed uh, uh but this is just rumors that go around la but it's you know it's like clearly they allegedly kind of bring people in and offer them green cards from thailand and other places and then allegedly keep oh. their pa- keep, allegedly keep their passports it's a it's a rumor it's it's, a, it's i've heard the same rumor here um they basically own all of so downtown uh, Clearwater is it's just kind of understood that that has been choked to death. Like it's the other go to the go to the other side and it's like really beautiful and nice. There's a beach. There's all this other stuff. There's sushi restaurants. But then the, the, this other side, it's just desolate houses. Um that are just kind of dilapidated. It's it's kind of like cutting off circulation because um, hmm. they're buying they're buying up, and at least that's what I've heard. Um, I don't know if it's true. Now, I wonder if they're in Clearwater because of going clear. I wonder if there's a. I think so. I think they. I think they named the either they moved because of that or they named the, they actually named renamed the town that. I'm not sure though. Have you I don't heard know that? either. But have you? They call me though. The church calls my house. Why? Because I have a landline here and, uh, and it's a clear water number. And I, so I just got it like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And, uh, I would get these calls and the, and the ID would say the caller ID would say the church, it's the church. It's not just a member. It's the church, the church calls. And, uh, I guess someone bailed in the middle of the night and just, she just flew the coop. Oh, they're looking for, they're looking for, it's like Nazis looking for people you're hiding. And they're very dubious oh that I'm, fuck. they don't think, they think I'm lying when I say I'm not her. That is way too intense. So I literally will get a call and they're like, Lily, I trained you at the Sea Org. I don't know why you're not, you know, like, and I'm like, this no. isn't me. I'm like, I, I'm not Lily. I just, I just got this number and blah, blah, blah. And they go, well, then who is this? And I was like, well, you called me first of all. So, you know, energy, <laughs> like let's, but it was crazy. And what? so, yeah, it was a lot of like, I trained you at the Sea Org kindness. What if they know you're not Lily and they're just head fucking you? It's possible. I'll be, I mean, I feel like I have an out. I'll be like, oh, I'm a tranny. You don't want me. I'm a suppressive person. Like I just, you know, is that one of their rules? That's handy. I think there, I don't know if there's, I mean, beggars can't be choosers. So they're probably letting in some gays, but I, I think for a while there, it was your, if you were on the, on the bridge or whatever, <laughs> I forget what it's called. The bridge to total freedom. Right. If you're trans or gay, you were like lumped in with people who are born with birth defects or something. Oh, or like Jesus. Well, you know, Hubbard's son was gay and he basically, I think, basically bullied him into suicide. I could, oh, allegedly, I'm probably getting that story wrong. Look it up, you know, allegedly. But there, there, L. Ron Hubbard Jr., there was, a, there was definitely a history there. This is probably old hat to you, but doesn't L. Ron Hubbard have some correlation with Parsons? In Oh, yeah. Yeah, he ripped off. Well, Hubbard was a grifter, allegedly, and 
basically latched on to Parsons in the 50s and there was this house, kind of hippie house they were all living in and Hubbard moved in and charmed everyone and later Scientology now claims he was part of naval intelligence or some ridiculous thing but um, yeah I mean they were you know they were doing some mutual J.O. in the desert uh, to which is now referred to in hushed tones as the Babylon working they were just you know having a good time and um but yeah, uh, basically Hubbard allegedly, but you you can read this in all the biographies, kind of ran off with Parsons' girlfriend, his yacht, all of his money, and left Parsons destitute and kind of took everything that he learned and turned it into Scientology. And if you know the Crowley system, you can read all that Scientology stuff. And it's like, it, it, it's kind of a straight, he just took his version and put all this like squid in the mouth science fiction stuff over it. But it's right. like, like OTO became OT operating Thetan. There's all this stuff that he just put new terms on things. And I actually think Hubbard controversially, I actually think Hubbard had some pretty good ideas. I think particularly Dianetics. Now I am not recommending anyone go within 18 gajillion miles of anything related to Hubbard or Scientology. Don't get me wrong. That's the worst thing you could probably worst life decision you could ever possibly make. But having read his stuff, particularly before he completely lost his mind, because in the, the crazy thing about Dianetics is like the theory of Dianetics was really simple. It was just that the reason people are miserable is because they're constantly reacting to everything. They're, they're st- reacting to stimulus. That's solid theory. I mean, that's basically Buddhism. It's just put in this right. science fiction thing. So his whole idea was that if you got rid of your reactivity to stimulus and they had the e-meter and all of that, like nothing could phase you. And then you would be clear because you, you wouldn't, you would kind of be impervious to, to, to life stimuli. And I actually think that's a pretty solid idea and but the thing is and the the crazy history of that though is that like what people don't know now because it happened so long ago relatively speaking is that after world war ii everyone came back from world war ii and they were all traumatized that whole generation just drank they didn't have their and therapy like first of all was not widely available and second was like a rich people thing it was ridiculously expensive it's still ridiculously expensive which i think is a just another total travesty um, you know, I think if people want a better society, they should just make more. And we're always talking about a mental health crisis in this country. It's like make resources available to people. Like therapy is ridiculously expensive, even for middle class people. You know, you're dropping right. what, like twelve hundred dollars a month in some cases. Like who who wants to just to like talk for an hour? Like I stopped. Uh, I stopped going for that reason. It was adding it, up, and then I realized that I I. I I also was going to a therapist and she was very affirming and very lovely. And when you have OCD, you don't want people to affirm your thoughts. You mm. want to, people to let you know that okay. they're bullshit. <laughs> so wrong approach. You, you, OCD, I, that's yeah. If anyone out there has OCD, just go to an OCD specialist. They'll know how to talk to you. Cause she'd be like, no, there's a perfectly logical reason why. Oh you Jesus. <laughs> no, no, no. That's and, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that's like no. that's like when you're tripping and somebody like you're coming up you're tripping and you're in the park coming you're coming up where like it, you're it's still like really anxiety inducing and you're, you're like oh my god what's happening and just somebody comes up to you and is like you know this could last forever <laughs> yeah fuck <laughs> what fuck if this what if, what if what if what if you just stay this way <laughs> yeah jail that's like, people should be put in jail it's like the worst thing so uh anyways but yeah so so dianetics was like it was like this big 
it was this big bestseller because nobody had it was literally the only it was the only self-help book it was the only and it was not only that was the only way for people to get anything approximating mental health care that wasn't a gajillion dollars but the thing was that he made all these crazy claims for it like he said that like if you went clear you would all your vision would be fixed you wouldn't have to have glasses and and you would have perfect memory and then like because out of some level of just total you know narcissist delusion he decided he was going to prove this on stage and like have somebody take their glasses off and be able to read like numbers from across the stage and all this. And they couldn't do it, obviously, even though they were supposedly clear. And then after that, everyone was like, okay. But before that, like tons of celebrities, like literati, like the literary world was super fascinated with Dianetics course, and Hubbard. And like, like they were very into it. And, and like really, you know, intelligentsia. But after that, it was just like, no, this is obviously fake. And then Hubbard lost his mind and he thought, like he obviously already had, but allegedly, but he got this big persecution complex and that's when the whole suppressive people thing came out and it's like oh they're it's this is it's not because i couldn't prove it it's because they're all out to get me and then and then that's when they turned it into a religion so they it's of scientology so because then they didn't have to prove it as a science now it's a religion right. so they can believe whatever they want so and, and he then, had a, a personal gripe with he had he had a personal axe to grind with psychology so then that became part of the religion yeah. because because so they weren't interested in his book i mean this is what i've read at least yeah it's uh it's a uh, people are ultimately selfish most people things most things people think have more to do with themselves than it does with another person obviously so it's like you know the whole religion based around like psychology being evil and it's like well they also snubbed your book is that yeah that's part of it it's also like i mean hubbard allegedly was like seriously mentally ill if you read some of the like there's a book called bareface messiah that is kind of the 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 the, the biography of of hubbard it's like like and and just it's hard for me to think about like nastier people than what hubbard was actually like i mean and just like just seriously mentally ill in a not good way like in a really harmful to people around you type way and um that's, and so of course he hated psychiatrists because they he you know the there you go. That, that, that's really interesting. You mentioned hurting people around him because like, so I have a sibling who is, uh, you know, not diagnosed with anything, but, but just really obviously very mentally ill. Um, they have drinking problem. And um, I didn't start to realize there was mental illness involved until I started getting the insane texts and they felt very manic and they were very like telling me how they're a, a brilliant superior person. They're very intelligent and they're so wonderful and smart. And I'm, and I'm like, Oh, okay. This sounds like mania. This sounds like, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I realizing how mentally ill they are. Um, and I was trying to, to tell them I was not judging them. I was like, look, I'm just as mentally ill as you. I just hurt myself you hurt people around you. I'm like, so I'm not judging you. Like you're not, I'm not healthier than you. It's just mine's inverted. And, uh, and so that, that's something I think about a lot now. Cause I, I would, my ego would kind of go like, Oh, well, at least I'm not as fucked up as a sibling. And yeah. then uh, I realized that I realized I am <laughs> just a different direction. I'm, I'm with you on that. I do definitely just to make it clear, I'm not saying mentally ill from a judgmental perspective, but I mean, we're talking no, about no. Hubbard, Hubbard. We're talking about like psychopathy with Hubbard allegedly where is the shit that he would do to people is just like it's like it was like serial killer shit like that's what i mean but obviously i'm not stigmatizing mental illness you know but uh that that's kind of what I, i'm talking about psychopathy so 
specifically a mental illness that's victimizing yeah. totally it's yeah. um I, psychopathy i went on a whole rabbit hole on that and uh because again the way my brain's wired i'm fascinated by people who are wired the opposite way so i'm like uh, really just fascinated by people who ca who can't care like my brain is a kama sutra of ways to torture myself and feel guilty and i'm like oh these psychopaths are completely not that so um and the I'm my big question was, why does the universe make psychopaths? They're born, not made. So, yeah, good question. I've some thought about that. It's kind of like maybe they're like predator class humans, you know, like it's just like, like right. maybe there's like just different classifications of, of humans that are born for different ev evolutionary reasons. And maybe there are psychopaths because they're just like human predators. I don't know. I meditated on it. I meditated mm -hmm. on it. And the only thing that came up was there's a lot of moving parts. That's all I got was like, there's a lot there in this, there's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> that, that's a very sane assessment of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, Philip K. Dick wrote a book called Clans of the Elfane Moon. It was one of his last books where it's a science fiction book where uh, there's a planet where that is like the, at, in the future humanity has taken a planet and turned it into a mental asylum so everyone with mental health issues is sent to this planet so it's only yeah. a, it's but but since everyone only the only people there have diagnosed mental illness that all the people with different mental illnesses clan up into like different like like nations basically so you have like the schizophrenics the manic depressives the psychopaths you know, it's like and they're all like basically formed like warring nations absolutely I, feel, I kind of feel like earth is yeah. like that sometimes just people don't have quite as much solidarity yeah i agree i agree and and again i always thought like the ds uh dsm5 and stuff like it's 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 re it's reductive right it it can be reductive but i've i'm just now entering this phase of my life where i'm not vilifying it because it's um, hmm. like with my OCD, I read an article about my particular type of OCD and it was like this person was knew me intimately. They were saying things like even at the end, they're like, by the way, if you're reading this for the 20th time to make yourself feel better, step away and click out. And it had been like the 20th time I read it. And so it's kind of like when people do the 12 step program, they're offended by the fact that there's a program that can just uh, land on everybody. And it also applies to them. Like they want to feel like such an individual. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having this level of respect for psychology. I, I'm not a materialist reductionist, but I am starting to also pay attention to the physical re reality of life yeah. as well. Otherwise you're just kite without a string. Yeah. I kind of feel like, I mean, I, I do feel like self-help and magic are great and things like that. But, you know, even just looking at the history of psychology, like really, I think the best thing that the field of psychology and psychiatry have produced is psychotropic drugs. I mean, I, I think that just approaching the brain as a chemical phenomenon is, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, there's only a certain limit to which that you can like self-talk yourself into something right. or, or, or even if you can to bear the extra energetic burden of having to do so, you know. Because because you could end up doing like four hours of self care things a day, or you could just be medicated. You know what I mean? Just to get to baseline. And the, and and medications, like I, I just I just found it so funny. I'm like, oh, I can take a pill that makes me not think God hates me. Like that's clearly a chemical thing. It's not. It's it's clearly just this really arbitrary chemical thing my brain's doing mixed with trauma. 
And, well, uh, you, clearly you fall into the psychs and you're an SP and need to be cleared by Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to, yeah. are you going to, are you going to stay there? The, I, I could not take it. I, I saw, I lived around Scientologists for too long. I could not take it being even that much more immersed. I'm in a little hippie town next to them. I'm basically, these are the hate, these are the hate Ashbury hippies who followed Scientology and then were like, oh, fuck that. And then they wow. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. My neighbors are old hippies. And so a lot of them are uh, like, like the hate Ashbury hippies who kind of just now they're here and they do metal sculptures and they're like <laughs> 75 and they don't aren't Scientologists anymore. <laughs> That's a forgotten history. That's really interesting. Like, I know that like in the 60s, there were, uh, I mean, Charles Manson was into psych- Scientology in prison, but there was the process church that split off from Scientology that were like yeah. the, 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 the hippies that were in Scientology and then went and did that. Yeah, Robert, Robert de, de Grimston. Yeah, really interesting history. But, um, and also the thing is, the, the one, you, you know who ran Scientology in England in the 60s? Like was the no. head honcho? Neil Gaiman's dad. Yes, David Gaiman was the head of St. Hill organizations, like the 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 main science, like basically was in, tr- and that's where Process Church came out of, and all that, like that, and that's one of the that's, that's one of the reasons. Church. They're they're called something now, aren't they? Like the, the huggy kissy friends of animals. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't. Are they still around? I don't know. Yeah, they, they became. Oh yeah, that's right. They became an animal shelter. That's right. I forgot right. about that. It, I, I just love that like, there's all this nefarious whispering around them. And then they're like, we're called the We Hug Bunnies organization <laughs> now or something. That's funny. Have you heard that? Have you heard that pod? The what's her name? Leah Romini's podcast. I forget no, what I didn't called. know she had. I watched the show. I watched the show she did. How was that? I, 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 miss, I, didn't, I didn't see that. I've heard some of the podcast, but I heard the show was pretty good. Yeah, the show was good as far as like letting people tell their stories and stuff. There were a couple things that were strange where she like clearly sees everything that was nuts about where she was. And then she goes across the street and like lights the candle in a Catholic church. And I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of like once a prisoner of belief, always a prisoner of belief. Yeah. It's kind of like kind of like drug addiction. It was a strange choice, uh, but but maybe it was maybe it was a way of the show just kind of framing um, we're not anti-religion or we're not trying to what okay. you know I don't know what it but I remember thinking like that's odd, but um, it was a good show and I I like her energy. Her podcast is really she's done a ton of them now. I her podcast is um, like she has ex Scientologists on all the time and yeah you know, like she has Mike Render on all the time. He used to be like the head PR guy yeah. for Scientology and it's super interesting because it's like you're listening to adults who have been in this cult structure for their entire adult life particularly mike rinder raised their family in it had to be disconnected by their family and just and just snapped at one point because they couldn't take the cognitive dissonance of what they were saying and what they were seeing and it's like that just like it's so like that has to be so humbling to just basically start life over at 50 and say I was wrong and and to feel that you have to essentially live a life of repentance after that. I mean, that's so um it kind of leaves me speechless to listen to it in a way. And and the thing is she, it's not just Scientology. She'll have on ex-Mormons and they're basically like, "Wow, we pretty much experienced the same thing in two supposedly different groups." And so right. they're kind of like all talking together as cult survivors and 
And I think that listening to stuff like that is like, you know, like I always recommend people listen to like skeptic and scientific stuff, but also like listen to that ex cult stuff. Cause I mean, like you gotta, you know, like sometimes like, you know, we can talk about magic and things like that. And it's like super fun and interesting. And that the reason I like magic is because it's self-directed. You're not in a group or you can be, but I recommend against it. But it's so you, you realize it's so humbling. It's very humbling for me to like listen to people in their fit, you know, people who are, you know, like adults who've lived their whole life and it say like, you know, actually I was wrong. You know, it's like, they're not dumb people. You know, no, that's the thing. And that, they're, they, they're so embarrassed to come forward because they think you're, you'd have to be dumb, but it's, it's anybody can be conditioned. If you're an, I mean, me, I know I am the archetype of the person who gets sucked into a cult. I know I am. I know. Wait, I wait, wait, why is and, that? Why is that? <laughs> because I, it stems wanna, from this mental illness. Are you kidding? If someone, especially maybe an older man came to me and in a really eloquent, beautifully put way, echoed what I try to tell myself about my brain and said, like, you're loved unconditionally. You're like, like, there's no strikes against you. Your permanent record's clean in the eyes of God. And this authority is telling me that, mm. oh, I would be hook, line and sinker. I would buzz my head and, and get a <laughs> pair of Keds or whatever the shoes they were wearing. I would, yeah, it was that, that happened. That heaven's gate thing happened like 15 miles from my house when I was a, a teenager. Like that happened oh. right where I, oh yeah. It was like the neighbors. That was intense. That was intense. They were the ones that were all were wearing matching tennis shoes and then drank yeah, 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 poison because they thought they were going to like ascend to, to that comet that was going by. Apparently, they were really into listening to Art Bell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because Art Bell was, there's like clips there of Art Bell go. being like, there's this weird thing in the tail of a comet. And then the dude's like, yep, that's it. That's, that's that'd the, be our ride. The, the Art Bell to to mass suicide pipeline you got to watch out yeah for that. exactly yeah i mean look i mean i think that one of the the thing is though like i said at one point like in one of my rare moments of, of having good one-liners is is because usually it's just terrible dad humor that that you know it's like the only the only difference between a cult and culture is the number of people in it yeah and and one thing that is i hope become clear for people over the last two years is just like how much we are all indoctrinated into like bizarre, like just like how different people's reality is based on whether they're in a red or a blue, you know, they're red or blue state person. You know, it's just like, like the fact that we don't have that we're basically just having to follow what's told to us. I mean, like you touched and touched, you said earlier, it's like, even in the pandemic, it's like, this is true. And now in, and anyone who like X is true. And anyone who believes Y is a conspiracy theorist. And then two months later, Y is true. And anyone who ever believed X is a conspiracy theorist during the pandemic. For, for, and that and it's, that's from CNN. Regularly. You know, it's like, yeah. Like nonstop. I really conspiracy theory plus time equaled news. Like it was like, <laughs> It was Jesus. so, it was so weird. Sad, that just kept happening sad, over true. and over again. I remember I made the comment about uh, Cuomo and the old people, like he, he like fucked up in New York and I made, I, I, it got on my radar maybe six months before CNN co-signed on it. And, and uh, people looked at me like I had 10 heads and like I was in a militia or something. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I promise I'm not a Trumper. I'm not a militia nut job. Like right. I promise. And then it's six months later, they're like, oh, yeah, that was fucked up. And I'm like, yeah, it drives me up the wall. It's that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning, just like the malevolence of crowds and the malevolence of groupthink, because ultimately you realize it's just, you know, I think human beings are I think anyone who's an outsider of any type like pegs really early that human beings are just 
herd animals. They just won't we're go tribal. Up. We're tribal. Yeah. yeah. And most people just all they really want, all they truly want is safety in numbers. That's it. And it's a good strategy. You know, there's a reason why packs of, of fish swim together so that they don't get, they're less likely to get picked off by a shark, you know, they're not vulnerable. So it's a good evolutionary strategy, but like people aren't ideological. They're not clear thinking. They're not rational. They just go with the group for safety and numbers. And the problem with that is the group will go, go with whatever leader appears to be strongest and shift their ideology overnight to match that That's leader. Right, right. They'll morph it to whatever the, the I, I often would, would wonder what COVID would have looked like if Trump had been, oh, if his approach to it was overly fearful, overly like get in your homes. This is a Chinese virus and it's going to hurt you hide. I wonder how many like super woke virus. folks were going to well, like how many of the same woke kids were going to go out and like lick doorknobs and be like, fuck you, that's racist. You know what I mean? So I just I often would wonder, like, if it would have played out differently if they weren't doing the antithesis of whatever his messaging was on it, if that makes right. any sense. Yeah, I often wonder if like I would always think that like the people who are constructing all the messaging must know what they're doing or psychologically manipulating people. But I don't even know if that's the case. I think that it's just kind of chaos. And because yes. if it was, if it was well organized, I think things would have looked different. I mean, they, I mean, even like, you know, like there's, you know, that's the thing even about Nazi Germany. It's like, like fascist people always have this like idea that like, oh, like fascism is like crazy mechanized. And it's like, not like, like, like Nazi Germany was completely, um, like bureau, like bureaucratic and disorganized and did not work and you know was basically fell in part under its own organizational incompetence right so just because people are, you want to control people does and and to some extent are able to get in that position doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good at it uh, well, or that it's even possible sometimes conspiratorial thinking which i'm not shitting on all conspiracies again because it's debatable what's a conspiracy and what's not but there there it's almost wishful thinking sometimes that there's this nefarious plot and yeah, I would you say want that you want daddy you want daddy if there's a nefarious plot that means there's smart people pulling the strings that's a safety net my friend even if it's an evil plot it means yeah. someone's in the there's a grown up in the room right yeah and even if it's evil if it's an evil plot well great now you can now you have an identity you know you can be against it and now your uh, your need to self identify to construct who you are is is solved for you well, because what's so, the alternative? It's just a bunch of incompetent fuck people who don't right. know what they're doing and they're doing it by the seat of their pants, which is way scarier. Yeah. So I, I think in, in, in any time in history, the path of waking up, slowly backing away from the crowd and really disciplining yourself to become your own person is the hardest and often most dangerous thing you can do, which is why people don't do it. Because also you lose the safety of the crowd when you do it. And there's always the temptation, maybe I've fallen into it, there's the temptation to kind of like try and turn it around and be, you know, uh, you know, like bring I, the I crowd have to check you. it. I have to check it with me because I, I, I'm not saying I'm wishy-washy, but I'm that person who you're watching a court case and you hear one side say something and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that, that. And then I hear the other person eloquently put it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that, 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 or you know what I mean? Like, or even in a documentary, like I, yeah. I, I take things hook, line and sinker, but the, my saving grace is I'm aware of that. And so then I go, hold on. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like I, 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 
one of the reasons I don't watch TV is not because I'm like have a superiority complex. It's because I'm susceptible to it. Like me, like, yes. Like, I'll be like, you know, I'll turn on like, you know, I can like turn on some tearjerker movie and like 15 minutes into it, I'm like, oh my god, it's so like, <laughs> yeah, like, like I I'm susceptible to it. It's like I don't think anyone isn't. So you know, yeah, I, I just you got to be careful. Before I forget my my satanic panic rabbit hole. <laughs> that led that led me in Is all sorts a, of directions. That that would be a good like Scientology style organization. <laughs> if you're gonna name something in your neighborhood, I want a store that's the Satanic Panic Rabbit Hole. It was it was so my friend cleans up. I've told you about this before. An email, I think. So I have a, a friend who uh, was cleaning up. Um, I don't want to say crime scene because he also cleans up after just people dying in their house and people committing suicide and stuff. But so he cleans up when there's gross stuff. That's that was his gig, and. Um, he went to a woman's house who was a social worker who had been dead in her house for like three weeks or whatever. And so his job was to uh, clean up the leakage and clean up the stuff. Um, And his job is to throw everything out that's in the house. The family's already been through to get through everything that means something to them. Like, you know, he's like the last guy to be there. The police have been through there. You know, there's never a body there. The family's been through to get everything that was promised to them or was in the will and all that kind of stuff. So his job is basically to throw everything away, which if you're working class means getting a plasma TV and getting, you know, get, you, you can either just like, look, your job is to throw this in the dumpster or put it in your car. We don't care. So yeah. he would get me books regularly. Did, Great books. Did they smell like leaking corpses though? I mean, this is a- they, they didn't, but sometimes okay. he would right after work, he would have to uh, go in and take off his suit and shower. Cause he would smell like decomp. Uh, and um, yeah, that's pretty much the worst smell that humans can smell. Right. Because we're hardwired to to smell death and get away from it. And it's one of those things where if you ever smell it again, you don't mistake it for anything else. It's a very specific smell. And um, so, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by his job. I would ask him a million questions all the time. But anyway, so he, there was a, uh, I'm sorry, a social worker who died and um, she'd been a social worker since the nineties. So she had a great array of books, a lot of satanic <laughs> panic, nineties books, a, a lot of, uh, disassociative identity disorder, repressed memories from satanic ritual abuse, that kind of, that vibe. And um, in one of the books was an issued uh, satanic calendar. I have it. It's a satanic calendar that says like all the high holidays of Satanists. So how to analyze crimes that were committed on these certain days. And it's basically every day. Um, And I'm fascinated by it. And then the back of it, because it's, it's Florida, the back of it was um, the symbol, the symbolism around different deities within Afro-Caribbean religions and stuff. And so if there's a white rose, it's this one. If it's this, it's this. If they have their mouth taped shut, it's this kind of occult crime. So yeah. that's what got me on this whole. Well, that stuff is definitely, that stuff is definitely real, particularly if you're in Florida, you know, you can look well, up. Yeah. 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 And so it's with the book she, one of the books she had was about uh, DID. And I was reading that about satanic. It was called like Satan's children or something really intense. <laughs> and then uh, on the back, called, it said, it was like, if you like this book, you'll probably cult. like, <laughs> you'll probably like the ultimate evil by Maury Terry was what it recommended. By Maury. Who's Maury Terry? Yeah. It sounds like Dr. Phil or something like that. Maury Terry wrote a book <laughs> called the ultimate evil, which was basically 
the premise was that there were multiple shooters in the son of Sam killings, which there's some good data for because they the if you look at all the sketches, it's 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 a compelling argument. But then he goes full on satanic cult, the process church. He, he goes he goes fully into it. I've been marinated in this for about three months because I was just fascinated by reading. Then I was seeing where certain things were tied together and it was kind of arbitrary. And I'm like, oh, they're kind of forcing that narrative and this, this and this. But um, and around this time, I interviewed um, not interview, but I had a phone conversation with someone who was the right hand man of Timothy Wiley. Is it Wiley? Oh, yeah. I met Timothy Wiley. I had him yes. on the podcast. I uh, yeah, it's right. I listened to it. It was great. Um, so so Timothy and I were exchanging emails a couple of years ago before I was reading any of this stuff, um, and uh, we were exchanging emails. And then he died before he could reply to my last email. And so then this person who's like his right hand man like was nice enough to reach out and be like, I didn't want you to think he left you hanging. I don't know if you know, but he passed away and. It was really, really cool. And That's so sweet. it was so cool because I'm reading all this like really heavy, dark, scary, blah, 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 blah. Then I have the data of I know Timothy and he's lovely yeah. and a very sweet person. Well, like Timothy is like the the furthest out there nuttiest dude ever. Like, let's be fair. Yeah. But like, but yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, like, like Timothy for context, he was one of the main people in the process church, but like, he's like one of these new agers that sells like airbrushed dolphin pictures. You know what I mean? It's like, that's how he got on my radar. Cause I found an old book called aliens, ETs and dolphins. Oh something. yeah. That's, that's a great book. I love that book, but it got on my, I bought it. Cause I was like, this is silly looking, but then I actually really liked it. And then, um, so anyways, and this guy was just telling me like how lovely Timothy was to him and like shaped his life. And it was, it was like, it was just really cool to kind of like see the reality of like people yeah. involved in this. It's just like a sweet, just like a new agey yeah. British guy. I mean, but he, he, but Timothy came from the ruling class. That's the really interesting thing. He was like super heavily educated, but yeah, Jen loved him. Timothy and basically saw she saw him as kind of her long lost brother. You know, they were kind of like on a similar wavelength of, of inscrutable extremity. But have you ever seen the the Hamilton Hamilton's pharmacopoeia episode where he interviews Timothy Wiley? No. Oh, you got to find that on YouTube. It is. Yeah. You, you get like the ultimate like what the hell from that because the thing about Tim, like so timothy wiley wrote all these books about co communicating with dolphins ets and extraterrestrials but it's because he was doing fucking ketamine for like forever i mean timothy wiley was that, the yeah yeah timothy wiley was the person that told genesis oh yeah ketamine it doesn't get good until the hundred thousandth time you shoot it up so which jen then proceeded to verify so yeah, serious like not behavior. But then after after you know, but would just take ketamine and talk to dolphins, ETs, and angels, right? Uh, but this was real early on. Now ketamine's fairly popular, I suppose. Which you know, whatever. But very. Yeah, I, like, I was looking up a doctor to prescribe me Xanax, and uh, which is another thing I vilified for a long time until I realized a small dose makes me able to do podcasts and function. And oh, nice. A, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting substance. It's the, uh, I, my mom was addicted to every, I think it was the only pill she wasn't addicted to. She liked uppers. So um, it was, uh, but yeah, so I was, I was very against anything like that. Um, Cause again, you have to suffer, but um, it actually has really uh, helped me so I can do podcasts and function and do a photo shoot. Um, but why, why suffer when you can talk to dolphins in the 27th dimension? 
Now I'm now I'm I oh I Google I Googled Xanax and everything was like ketamine clinic in your area. Oh yeah. No, it's basically legal in California. There's whole freeways that are like it's like you're driving down like a I think like the four oh five or something like that in LA and it says this this freeway adopted by the the ketamine clinic of California. It's like, <laughs> I think it's right now it's actually that you know what? That's right next to the Vivid Entertainment Building in LA, the Vivid oh. Video Video, which is super, also super funny. But um yeah, it so it's got a lot of great potential. I think for it has amazing potential for long term anti anti you know getting people out of depression, clinical depression. So I'm curious about it. I think I'm going to do a little research around it. I, I think you have to go into a clinic and they you go through like five sessions where they basically put you on an IV for an hour each, but it's long lasting. I mean, it it seems to create. Oh, that's a, cool. Yeah, it seems to create like a, an actual long. You don't have to be on to, on it all the time. It's just like you do five sessions and then it kind of resets your brain. I'm not a doctor. Don't take medical advice from right. me. Do your own research. It's le- only your legality is different depending on where you are. But yeah, right. Timothy Wiley did a lot of it. And then he got into PCP. He's like, oh yeah, ketamine, that's for kids. PCP is where it's at. <laughs> is PCP even real? Oh, it's very real. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is it well, angel dust? Is that the yeah. same thing? Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, like hearing about like people would do PCP and then rip fenders off cars and things like that. It's very real. The only memory I had was again, my mother was uh, a drug addict and uh, with a heart of gold uh, from the south. So keep in mind when what I'm about to say. She's from the south. She's she meant well. Um, this is the same woman who was a call girl, and she's like, "Your dad was real good to me. He always made sure the drugs he gave me were real, and I never had to sleep with black men." Like that was my my mother's like idea of like he wasn't all bad. Ooh. Yeah. So one time I remember, and keep in mind, not a prejudice bone in her body. She was an angel from heaven. She, uh, but just not perfect. And and a drug addict and a product of Virginia in the eighties and nineties. And so I remember the only thing I ever heard about angel dust was she's like, I was like 10 and she's like, don't buy pot from Mexicans. There's angel dust in it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like that was her life advice for me. I got dosed with a joint um, when I was 18. Actually, I got dosed with a, a or I got a joint dosed. Or I got dosed with PCP in a joint that no one's they, they just just to fuck with like I don't know I don't know why they thought it was cool they were trying to impress people it was I've never like I was basically near suicidal and I was it put thrown into a serious depression for three months afterwards I thought I was going to jump out a window I wasn't I knew I wouldn't actually have done it but it was just you were going to like Diane Linkletter just like leap yeah you remember, no, Di- I, you remember oh, that yeah, yeah for sure for sure yeah I know that's that's always like where you go and it's like the bad drug experience like that I, I was never in any serious serious risk of that happening. I'm just saying that like my mindset was like it was just this crushing experience. And I don't I ever since then I haven't been able to touch weed because that pathway in my brain was fucked by PCP. So if I smoke weed, I go straight back there and it's just like oh just, my God. just just like like clinical de- like serious serious depression. So yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I actually wanted to ask you um, before I forget. <laughs> I kept having the thought that people's fascination with fast uh, with past lives is uh, kind of the esoteric equivalent of everybody wanting to get their DNA tested to find out <laughs> what they're oh, yeah. like. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, who was I? I can't get enough of me. I need to go another. <laughs> <life."> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, that's interesting. 
I see those as like two axes on a like a graph. You know, it's like you have your x axis and your y axis. So you've got right. your, you've got like the I suppose like the y axis is like your genetic history, and then your your x axis is like your whatever you want to call it, your soul history. And and like we can't get enough identity. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, <laughs> I like myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's, interesting. I, it came to it. It found me. I, I guess it's, it's, this was like kind of the precursor. No interest in past lives. Don't care. Wasn't just didn't. Again, with my mental disorder, I'm like the last thing I need to do is find out I fucking killed somebody, and then I have to feel guilty about it in this lifetime. So it was just like didn't even want to go there. And then I started getting all these synchronicities. And I know that synchronicities can sometimes be complete false starts. They're unnecessary. They happen for no reason. And you're just like, well, fuck you, synchronicity. You led me nowhere. And it basically did that with me. But I was asleep. And I started hearing the name Mary Pickford, Mary Pickford, Mary Pickford, Mary. While I'm sleeping, I'm repeating it. And I have an obsessive brain. So cool. And I woke up thinking it. And I was like, maybe that's like a neighbor or something who died or maybe something. Was, so I Googled the name because I'd never heard the name before. And she was a uh, silent film actress. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I was like, don't go to the past life thing. Silent film. Like it, you were mucking stalls. Most likely you weren't a silent film actress. Don't romanticize. This was my first thought. Like, again, bad writing. And uh so then I do a little research on her and then I find out she was America's sweetheart, Mary Pickford. I in porn. That's my, my thing on all my DVDs I did in porn. I was America's sweetheart. Bailey I think Jay, I've, I've, I I've like, definitely this is ringing a bell for sure. I'm pretty sure I've heard of Mary Pickford. Yeah. She was, she was like a golden curls and they just, she, she was like a, one of the first silent film kit kind of kid actresses. And, um, I just didn't, uh, all these things started coming up. So then I start going, oh, maybe past lives are cool. I'll watch the show about past lives. Three episodes in, some chick thinks she was a silent film actress and she was the one who was married to this guy who happened to be Mary Pickford's brother. And in the show, they start talking about Mary Pickford. This is all happening in the course of a week. And I hadn't heard of the woman before that. So then I'm watching a show about past lives and they start talking about Mary Pickford's brother. And I'm like, what? And they start going into Mary Pickford and that's super weird. So then I'm in an Uber Again, this is all in a maybe one to two week period. And I'm telling my Uber driver, I'm like, then I've got this weird Mary Pickford synchronicity. I was like, I think I might have been in her in a past life. And as I say that, literally, as I say it, I look out the window of the Uber and I'm passing Pickford's drugstore. <laughs> and you know what? You know what that means, right? You know what that, that, that you have to do a, a bunch pharmacist? Of, that you have to do a bunch of drugs to explore your past lives. <laughs> I'm guessing that's the case. So then it just kept happening. I, I can't even remember all of them, but there were just a lot of synchronicities. Oh, and then I found out Pia Zadora, if I was Mary Whoa. Pickford, Pia Zadora fucking knocked my house down. Yo. Um, it's foul. So anyway, just just a, a weird combination of, of things. Oh, and then um, I'm kind of obsessed with Austin Osmond Spare. Yeah. Um, because he's hot so i just i don't know he's very attractive i've i've always are, been like are you hey. the are you the reincarnation of austin osmond spare what was weird was i oh, was boy. like <laughs> maybe it's connected to this mary pickford thing so then i google austin osmond spare mary pickford and he had done a painting of mary pickford and so that was kind of a weird thing. So then anyway, I dropped it. I let it go. I wasn't going to go down the rabbit hole because I think uh, past lives are cringy, especially if you used to be a silent film actress. They're just cringe. I don't know. I mean, I used to feel that way and I don't really feel that way anymore. 
yeah, Austin Sparrow's funny. He did, he d- used to do a lot of drawings of Judy Garland also, which is really I love that for he him. Was, he was super into like into like musical theater and show tunes and things like that. That's great. Funny. I mean, yeah. he's too beautiful to be straight, so that in, makes in, in his younger days. Let's say no. He was definitely. I mean, there's there's Crowley poems that the OTO keeps quiet about that are basically um, about about him having sex with Austin Sparrow and and things like that. So and and that How that's could you not. There you go. I mean, yeah, it was the hair, the spare hair, but uh, wonderful hair. It was very beautiful. So anyway, that was that was a whole rabbit hole I went down and um, interesting. No, but you know, I used to think that this stuff was cringy because I'm I'm like that, but I don't really feel that way anymore. And I and I I went through a period of you know the whole thing about like well maybe you know in a like the timothy leary thing of like maybe in a cosmic sense we're all reincarnated as everyone's reincarnated as everyone but uh, honestly i think it is it's pretty much straightforward and linear i don't think it's even non-linear so just from my own experiences and i think when things like that happen you have to pay attention to it i mean you don't want to jump to conclusions like you know what it means because you probably never will but you have to pay attention when things like that happen and just take it in I did test it after radio silence for about six months. Like the synchronicity stopped. I stopped giving my energy to it um, and just decided to pick it up randomly. And so I was like, okay, if that Mary Pickford thing had any validity specifically to it being a past life, just give me one more, like, you know, give me one more and I'll drop it. And then the next day, having forgotten about it, I'm just watching a documentary on Ruth Gordon because I'm obsessed with her. You probably remember her from uh-uh. um, uh, Rosemary's Baby. She's the nosy neighbor who runs. The- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great character actress. <laughs> okay. I'm obsessed with her. She's just a genius. So I'm watching this documentary about her, um, knowing nothing about her. And then sure enough, her first film was a Mary Pickford film. And they mentioned it in the documentary. And I was like, OK, so then I, I'm dropping it again. But I'm just there you go. No, I've had similar, I think you need to, it, it's, I, I mean, I, I see those, th- those is at least confirming you're on the right track for sure. Yeah. Well, it was, it was like when I started taking uh, your courses, the, uh, back when I was in New York, first thing that happened was constant synchronicities, weird ones, just constant weird synchronicities. And then I started getting the, then I started getting the voodoo dreams. I think I told you about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's what led me to doing hospice was all this, this, these voodoo synchronicities, which I I don't, that's not something I would never try to co-op a religion that I have nothing to do with. It was just, it, it looked at me. I didn't look at it. Like it, mm. it was, uh, my lens kept popping out of my sunglasses, just the one. And someone said, mm. oh yeah, that's a sign from Baron Semaday or whatever. And I was like, yeah. that's weird. Um, and then one time I'm in the, you know, in this period the lens pops out slides on the floor in walmart and when i get it i'm at the foot of a six foot tall darth vader which is uh, a common uh fetish used for, as a stand-in for, for uh and so and it was all about death and um and then the, that got me doing hospice so it was just uh and you were you were kind of approaching approaching that from a buddhist perspective also though right when you were doing that yeah the uh yeah, because it was like I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with dropping my body, so I just wanted to hang out by the gates. I just wanted to just, I can't go in yet, but I I'm uh I want to I just want to hang out by the gates, and that was, that was cool. That I I liked that. 
what do you feel you took away from that? I mean, the biggest things. I'm sure it's so much, but you know, the main thing. That it doesn't have to be poignant. Huh. It doesn't have to be poignant to matter. It doesn't, I, I mean, I'm in America. I, I was in a hospital setting, holding someone's hand while they're dying and the TV, Ellen's dancing on the TV. <laughs> and there's like a Chili's commercial screaming about fajitas. And I'm just like, I'm like, it's okay being like this. It's okay. That's okay too. It doesn't have to be the Tibetan book of the dead. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. It doesn't. This is, this is like the American Bardo Ellen and a Chili's commercial. Fully. We are all in the, the, we are all passing through the Bardo of America, <laughs> American listeners. If you're not in America, you've got your own version. And also it was good for my mental illness because my job was to sit with people. It didn't matter if they were on the right side of history. It didn't matter if they beat their kids. It didn't matter just in that moment, just in that space. It didn't matter if they were in an ugly picket at, you know, during a segregation thing in the 60s, whatever, whatever their fucking sins are. I'm sitting with them because they're a person who lived a life and now they're dying and they don't want to die alone because at some point they signed a piece of paper saying, I don't want to die alone. So it was radical compassion. My job wasn't to say, you deserve to die alone like an animal because you made these sins and you did these sins in your life or you were great. It's because you existed in the first place. I'm going to sit with you. Hmm. So that was, that was uh, very, very powerful for me. And, um, and of all the ones I did, only one of them died while I was there. People take hmm. forever to die. They do. Yeah. I've experienced that. It's a whole process. I definitely, and often they're not happy about it taking so long. No, no. I remember when I was with people who weren't. So, so what I'm describing now is called transitions. That's when people are actively dying. I did other hospice where people were dying in a general sense, like they had two years. And so they were much more lucid. They were, they were usually in their room as opposed to a hospital room. They were in their, their um, assisted living room and I would talk to them. And this one woman, I remember I went to sit with her and she was like probably 80 but like young energy, I guess she, I think she had COPD and a few other issues. And I went to see her and I was, and it, she was my second one of the day. And I was like, I just sat with a woman who is 106. Can you believe that? And she looked at me and goes, oh God, don't tell me that. <laughs> she was immediately just like 106. She's like, that's, she's like doing the math. She's like, no, no. She's like, don't mm. tell me that. And it was just hilarious. I thought she was going to be like, wow, I hope I live that long. She wow. was not feeling that vibe. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's healthy to be a little bit detached as you were saying from clinging on to life. Otherwise, otherwise it's just too upsetting. I think. If you're holding on really hard. I, maybe I take it for granted that I'm an infinite being having a, a, a meat, a meaty experience right now. And, uh, but I do believe that. So when I remember that I'm kind of, even a tragedy happens and I'm like, oh, wow. So a bunch of people were killed who weren't even alive to begin with. And they're still here and they've got all of infinity to keep going. And but maybe, but maybe I'm wrong, and then I'm accidentally being callous to this this very impermanent thing that is incredibly precious. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not married to one thing or the other. I have seen a lot of data that consciousness survives physical death. I get signs from my mom regularly, and um, 
like meaningful signs. I, 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 I was actually going to ask you, do you ever, have you ever had even a small something since Jen passed? I got to think about that. You know, to be completely, let's so Jen died right at the beginning of COVID, like March, 2020. Yeah. And I haven't even really processed it to be completely honest with you. Cause I, I was just spending so much time just trying to deal with, you know, keeping with, with my, you know, going through, it was just survivor mode. Yeah, of course. So I'm not sure. I'd have to, I'd have to, you know, I, I honestly like my brain is like blank for the last two years. It's like, so it's like, I can barely remember anything that happened in 2020 or 2021. I mean, I feel just like now I feel more slight, even like just the last month or so slightly more back to myself, but I, I just don't remember a whole lot of the last two years. When you went right into, you went right into everything kind of going crazy after, after Jen. Yeah. Like immediately. Yeah, like the, it, the we were gonna go right after Jen died. It was like you know they wanted to have an eco burial, so it's like you know the, getting emails saying you got to get on a plane right now to go to the funeral in upstate New York, right next to I was at at Jay's funeral, so same spot, upstate New York, same funeral home, and uh, I was just like, look, you know, I feel like my heart's been ripped out of my chest, but I can't because uh, you know people are getting stuck in airports. That was when everyone there were all those pictures were coming out where like everyone's being like trapped like cattle in airports and and COVID's first spreading and a bunch of people got then it turned out later a bunch of people got COVID at the funeral so i was just like look i'm sorry i don't want to but I, I you know it doesn't make sense for me to just go and get COVID. jen's jen's gone you know and uh funerals are for the living yeah um yeah that's just a, my mother didn't have a funeral um, and I used to feel bad about it. And I was because I, but I justified it. I was like, look, my mom's dying wish wasn't to have family members who don't love or care about me, gawk at me for being trans. That wasn't my mom's dying wish. My mom liked me better than any of these other people. Mm. She would want her funeral to be around what I want to do. Cause I was her, I was her fucking favorite. So fuck off. <laughs> and, um, I had to remind myself like funerals are for the living. Mm how depressing is the thought that you can drop your body and go into this fucking endless ethereal realm who, who knows how fucking weird it is and still get bent out of shape because people didn't go to your party. That's not, that's not how this yeah, works. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I had a very, I had an understanding with Jen, I would say, and I probably leave it at that. But I mean, in terms of, you know, I, I was, Jen and I were very clear that, in certain ways, you know, and, and also just like, I, I basically just see, you know, I see everything that I'm doing as a continuation of my time with Jen. And that Absolutely. was, and that's what I was, why I was spending time with Jen. So for me, my, my attitude is the best that I can do to honor Jen is just continue the work. Absolutely. I mean, at least when I think of you, I think of Jen. I mean, I, I definitely, Less, fewer gold teeth. Your books are next to each other on, on my, on my I, I need to, I need to get the gold grill then, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have, can you believe, I spent seven years basically living with or around Genesis Pure and I have zero tattoos or piercings. 
that's my one true miracle in this life. <laughs> Amazing. No, when you told me you would like, you would like live with, with Jen, I'm like, yeah. How was your brain? Not just mashed potatoes constantly. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, 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 just just otherworldly. And then also, how do you deal with being around Jen and opening the fridge? And like, I don't know, there's like miracle whip in there. Like I just, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was actually really funny. That was like, because Jen's background was working class English, working class English in the fifties. And they, you know, Jen was of the generation where they didn't have any food growing up because it was after the war. Like that's where like people were literally just drinking fish oil and eating Marmite to survive. That's where Marmite came from. It's the industrial runoff from making Guinness, but it's full of B vitamins. So they started eating it to make sure they had B vitamins. I mean, so Jen was of that, you know, it's like that coronation street generation where it's it's very working class background so there was never enough there was never enough and and but jen you know it was always just like you know going over to jen's house was like yeah on one hand it's like you know as like going over to jen's house like like it's mr rogers house like hello jen are you there like you know when i'm like 19 20 or well no it was like actually no it was like 2021 but through my early 20s and that was a really intense world and there was a lot going on that I didn't know about. And it was just like, it was so, it was a heavy, the best way that I can describe Jen's world was, is heavy, like really heavy in a lot of ways. And like probably heavier than it was good for me. And, um, in a lot of ways, but at the same time, Jen, yeah, like on one hand, it's like, okay, like psychedelic warlord mode. But on the other hand, it's just like very much like English garden, like here, let's, I'm going over, we're having tea. I'm going over, we're having tea, you know, and, and miracle up in the fridge and, you know, that, and eating frozen, you know, TV dinners and that type of thing, you know, so, so, well, that was after, unfortunately, that was after Jay passed. It, it was a very different when Jay was, was still alive, for sure, as you might imagine. It was very different, so. Yeah, I, I um, it, it's funny because my husband and I talk about that a lot where, I would say we're codependent, uh, my husband and I, and I, uh, we, th- we regularly destroy ourselves by talking about when, when one of us dies first, just, just how we operate, I guess. Jen would talk about that stuff all the time. And, and Jen loved the phrase dropping the body. That's all of that. where yeah. I picked it up. Okay. That's yeah. Cause I, cause I was just like, that's so it that's so as soon as you say dead, it's just like, you're, the word dead just implies all, everything you don't believe. It just immediately puts huh. a barrier on. Wait, say, say more about that. Well, cause it, if, um, you know, Billy is dead or so-and-so is dead. Dead. It sounds like a word that means you have an, a full context of what it is. They're dead. No, from your perspective, for you, you know, you, the only thing you witnessed was they dropped their body. That's the only thing you witnessed. It's the only data you have. And um, frankly, my mom, I'm closer with my mom since she's out of her body than I was able to be when she was in her body. She was an immensely ill body and she's not in one now. And um, I get signs from her all the time. Hmm. Massive signs. I woke up sobbing. I woke up just one of those like religious 
pilgrims pilgrimage sobs that like you just don't get often and i just i woke up already sob i didn't wake up and then cry i woke up having had been sobbing and continuing to sob uh because my mother hugged me in my sleep and she didn't look like my mother she looked like a uh, uh, she looked like a woman I saw in a past life regression when I started doing the past life stuff. She was in a different body, but it was her. And she hugged me in my dream and I fucking woke up. Just my whole face was wet. And um, it's just too real to ignore. And uh, too many to count, too many things to count. She's just regularly and she wasn't she wasn't there for me for a lot of my life because of her drug problems so she's there for me now and um i still want her to just show herself in full form but i feel like she's sparing me because she knows i'm a skittish creature but there's something i've only seen the only thing i have visibly seen uh this before she died or maybe shortly after i don't remember was uh, i saw a, a gold cloud in my doorway at like three in the morning that was when i started taking your courses when i started getting wow. a lot of weird shit that's when i scared away my cleaning lady <laughs> i <laughs> okay what happened there she was uh very catholic very spanish and uh i asked her if she lost a baby and she had lost a baby the week before and i never saw her ever again wow it just it just you had a sense of it or you just knew I was sitting in, I was sitting in my office and I saw an ultrasound and in my head. And I was like, Oh, you have to ask her if she lost a baby. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I pussyfooted around in it first. I'm not an asshole. Like, I'm not like, Hey, did your baby, you know what I mean? Like I'm not a shithead. I um, asked her if somebody recently had a baby or got pregnant and uh, she immediately looked really shocked. And then I said, um, Cause I had a, a little vision. I was in my office kind of meditating and I saw an ultrasound and uh, I was like, is it possible someone lost a baby and her and her sister would clean the house. And she kind of pulled me away from her sister. And she's like, she doesn't even know, but she, uh, she's like, I, you know, my sister doesn't know, but I lost a baby uh, this week. And uh, I just was immediately like warm and like, okay, well, I, I wasn't trying to pry that out of you. I'm really sorry. I just, um, to be honest, the only reason this would come up in my mind is to let you know that everything's cool, like everything's okay, and that um, whatever energy was going to be your baby is probably okay. Otherwise, why would it let me know? And she was thankful, and I never saw her yeah, ever again. It's pretty intense. I shouldn't have said anything. I don't know. Maybe that's just what needed to happen. It was an imp. It was like a. It was like a. Let her know it's cool. Let her know it's cool. Like let her know it's not a big deal. But I. But I. Anyway, I yeah, she Sometimes stuff. You know. Sometimes. Um, you know. You gotta. It's important to get past the veneer of social. Social trance. You know. That's always uncomfortable. But sometimes it has to happen. Totally, and it was. It was just a. A nagging feeling that I had to mention it to her. Otherwise, I would have just said like none of my business. Like it was. But anyway, so interesting. Yeah, I. It's funny having now spent my whole life immersed in this. For me, it seems totally normal. But I think it is normal. I think that the whole, you know, like the whole magic becomes so easy to understand when you just understand that it's human consciousness and human consciousness is a shared field. 
and that's it. And we're all swimming in each other's consciousness all the time. And it, it's all overlapping. And so what's really happening, it's not like learning quote unquote magic is just a marketing term. Okay. But it, it, like learning about this side of life, it's not like you develop some extra power that other people don't have. It's just that you learn how to stop pretending that you're not already doing it. I think that's very true. And I, and I think there are varying degrees. Certain people are, are, for whatever reason, genetics, whatever it is, some people maybe like how some people are really good pianists and they're just, they pick it up easier. But like, for the most part, these are, these are absolutely things that everybody, if you just ask 10 of your friends, just start asking your friends and you're going to realize how common after death communication is, how common uh, precognitive dreams are, um, yeah, everyone's got something like, or if you ask person, you ask people to, you know, they'll always say stuff like, you know, you think of somebody and then they call, right? It's like, and I always get like actually really butthurt about this because I'll have like my most like normal friends, my most like apparently like, you know, like normal cut and dry friends will like come up to me and like say like, you know, oh, I saw the, I saw a UFO. Like, you know about these things, right? Have you ever seen a UFO? Like, I've never fucking seen a UFO. What the hell, guy? Why did you see the UFO? And I, I'm I'm the crazy magic guy. I've never seen a UFO. Jesus, at least that I remember. It's just, it drives me nuts. <laughs> it, and and it, yeah, it's usually the most vanilla friend you have who has some sort of extraordinary mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. I, my husband's brother-in-law saw a full-body apparition of a little boy in his house, and he doesn't believe in anything. Well, and I hear. <laughs> drives me crazy it drives me crazy but that it's the lust of result thing it, it proves the magical dictum that you know spare talked about this crowley talked about this like the harder you try to do something the less likely it is to happen so magic people are always trying to cultivate these experiences so then it's like less likely to happen you know so it's like the people who or i i don't necessarily look, look at it like that it's like maybe that you know for magical people we don't need it to happen for us but people who are super vanilla, maybe they need to have an experience like that. So they become th- that part of their awareness. They, they suddenly realize that that part of life is real too, even if they don't want to go into it. That's very interesting. Yeah. Just so they, uh, the, the universe does it for them because it's just to show that that part exists too. I think, yeah, I think and some people need to be hit over the head with it and some people don't. That's, that's very, very interesting. That's a better way of putting it. I did, however, see my first UFO. Oh, tell me. See, even you've seen a UFO. God damn it, where are they? You know why this is? It's because I never leave the house or get off the computer. I never actually look up. That's why I never see UFOs. <laughs> yeah, look at look at the sky. It'll have well, I wouldn't have seen it if if I was in the hot tub. Um, my husband and I'm in Florida. It's not fancy. Sometimes I have to qualify like Of course the UFOs are in Florida though, right? You're right. Exactly. Because it, yeah. it, it's only bumpkins who see them. But I um I'm in the and in the hot tub facing my husband. He goes, "Hey, what the fuck is that?" Points to the sky. It's nighttime. I guess I should set the scene. It's nighttime, and there is a um, no. Okay, I don't know if it was satellite. I don't know what it was, but I just I'll just say what I saw, which was an an orange undulating ball, decently huge, but no sound. Um, I guess if I'm looking at it, it was like maybe the size of a frozen pea, which sounds small, but I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it's hard to explain, but it was, it was close enough that I should have heard it if it made a noise. Um, Bright orange with kind of an undulating swirliness to it. I I couldn't tell if it was solid or not. It would be categorized as a soft sighting because it was, didn't look like a metallic craft. It was an Uh orb. 
Wait, what? That's a category. Say again. There's a category of soft serve UFO, or what was it? Yeah. So a soft sighting would be seeing lights, and a hard sighting would be seeing a reflective metal craft. Okay, got it. So it's like it's a literal description. Right. So this this was a glowing kind of swirly bright fire orange ball that was moving away but and and it didn't look like it was on a fixed trajectory you know how most things you see in the sky would be on a fixed trajectory this one looked like it was on a fixed trajectory but then right before it faded away it moved as if it was a laser pointer it just moved and then it was gone and my husband who can't even pass a dog hanging his head out of a car without taking a picture of it. Like he just takes a picture of everything. Didn't grab his phone. Huh. And we both just, cause and it was, it was this feeling like I don't want to look away because this is weird. I've never seen anything like this and I don't want to miss a second of it. Do you think that, that not reaching for his phone was like, how do I put it? Like a programmed. I did have that thought. I don't know. Maybe not that far, but it's just like something like, there's something that's about in the that literature. It, oh, really? What, what? Okay, tell me more about that. There's context for it. A lot of people say that, like, they just stared and they didn't move. And people are like, why didn't you record it? And they're like, the thought never even entered my head. Which in today's society is, you know, people take pictures of their breakfast. Maybe it's just is like so far out of the frame that they just don't know what to do. It's just like, like, or or, or for just me, like, I just didn't want to look away for a second. Yeah. Because it was so alien. I mean, no pun intended. It was no, yeah. It's just so so weird. Oh, I have no doubt. That, yeah, I don't know what UFOs are, but I mean, you know what? I did. I used to do ecstasy and out in Joshua Tree near LA, and that is right next to Twenty Nine Palms, the military base. And so I'd just be high. Okay, so take it for what it's worth, but. You're like staring up at this it's really clear out there and you can see military craft moving around like doing l's like all kinds of weird shit like yeah for sure so who knows i don't know what they are i don't know i don't know what they are um i think it was jacques valet who said it might not have been don't quote me but i think it was jacques valet who someone said do you think there's a fit they're physical or you think they're cognitive you know they think they have something to do with consciousness and uh I know, I, I believe it was Jacques Vallée who said, like, I've been doing this for 50 years and I have more questions now than when I started. And he's kind of like, there's a physical element to them, but ask me again next week, kind of, was mm. his response. Like, he goes yeah. back and he walks around with a physical, what's the word, a physical element to one of these things that he keeps on him so clearly there is a physical element mm. to it i think it is far stranger than any of us will ever figure out oh, in this lifetime sure. and whatever messaging the government gives us please be dubious of it yeah what do you think about the whole so like now the government's coming out and having hearings on ufos and saying they're they're real and it's really funny like my reaction to that is basically when the government was saying ufos weren't real i didn't trust them and now that they are saying they are real i also don't trust them i <laughs> just like it's like whatever the government says i i believe the opposite you know what i mean so but it's it's like so bizarre they're like having all these hearings about ufos and like duncan is really into this but i was like looking at this and it's just like really like if the government is doing it like automatically my response is like okay well they're just trying to distract us from all the horrible sh all other shit that's going on 
or or not. I don't know. I haven't been following it that closely. My take is be be dubious of the messaging. We have enough data that this that the stuff is in the air. We didn't need the, they're not the gatekeeper on it. Um, what what do they say? Gate gatekeep girl boss gaslight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like the, the the language is getting militarized really fast. What do you mean? Threat. Uh, potential threat in our airspace. Haven't they ever seen any science science fiction movie where like they do that and then the aliens feel threatened and blow up the planet? It's like watch any movie about like like Day the Earth Stood Still. The aliens are here to like help us, and then we get all militar militarized about it, and they're basically just fu- like fuck this planet. And I and I don't come from the school of thought of I'm I'm not fully like. New Mexico white witch, like they're here to save us. They want to tell us how to improve the environment. I don't know. That could be a good vibe. That could be a good vibe. I don't know. It sounds like a good vacation. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great portal, but leave it quickly. <laughs> I, 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 I can go there. That's why I bought Timothy Wiley's books on on dolphins ETs. I was like, oh, let's do nice. this. Let's do this. Yeah, you, you, you'll know you've stayed too long if you end up selling like like tree stump sculptures. At a, at a like like on the side of the road that you've carved into eagle heads or something like that. It's like yeah, it's time to go. Giant yannis, yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you say Yoni, y- Yanni like the like the keyboardist? I've always like, Yon- said Yanni. Like, I think it's Yoni. I think y- it's Yoni. Yoni live at the Acropolis. <laughs> I, just, I say Yanni. Okay. But yeah, so it's a Big giant reveal. wooden oak vaginas. Um, yeah, so I'm not fully on in that camp, uh, but I'm also not fully in the like they're a threat, this, this, and this. I also know that there are pe- shit gets co opted so fast for for benefit for for whatever military industrial complex. Then there's the Werner von Braun school of thought that they are planning to be allegedly Werner. I hope I'm saying his name right. Werner von Braun allegedly on his deathbed he said. Um, First, they're going to say it's uh, Russia. Then they're going to then they're going to say our enemy is terrorism. Then they're going to say it's third world crazies. And then after that, it's going to be a false flag of uh, we need to weaponize space Hmm. and there'll be a there'll be a false flag. Now, why? Because of aliens or. Say again. Because of aliens or because like Russia doing the same thing or something like oh, that? Oh, because because they're saying because aliens they are going to oh. basically they'll his or the contention of the person who said this, who knows if he actually said it on his deathbed. He said the, their final game plan is uh, a, a false flag from extraterrestrial threat. Don't I don't know what the end game is for that. I don't know what it is. I don't I'm not married to the theory. I actually don't have an opinion. It's just I keep my ears out for what people say and then what comes to fruition. But interesting. Yeah. Alan Moore wrote that into Watchmen where like one of the characters, one of the characters like creates a fake alien uh, invasion to because it's the only way to unite the whole planet and get them to stop fighting each other. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Did you ever see that clip of Reagan saying that? I think it was probably a parody because it came out in the in the eighties. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. it was a parody of of Reaganism and things like that. I think the Reagan statement was pretty innocuous. I mean, it's it's it doesn't take I much of an imagination. About, yeah. What was that? Oh, just I'm remembering it as you're talking about it now. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, so, so they, they, they always put it in UFO shows like, Ooh, and I'm kind of like, uh, I mean, it's kind of just a metaphor and I, it's, it's kind of an easy metaphor to make that it would unite us if that happened. But well, that would be fun. It's certainly more exciting than all fighting each other about ridiculous shit on social media. So, Hey, I'm all for it. Alien invasion. Aliens seem cool. Grays are grays are beyond gender and they're not dicks about it. I'm like, cool. I'm always with the the Bill Hicks used to have a joke about like growing up in like a small town in Texas saying or like he was on tour and like went through like this kind of like super shit kicker town in the like middle of nowhere in Texas. And like somebody's asking me about alien abductions and he was saying like, you know what, if I lived here, I'd be praying for the fucking aliens to abduct me every night. And that's kind of how I feel. But about the whole planet, it's like, there's nowhere you can go that's safe from humans. <laughs> like, please, please. I mean, <laughs> I have that thought regularly. I, I think it's a, a, a more fun version of my suicidal ideation, but kind of like but, when people are like, God, I wish a meteor would just hit the world. I'm like, Oh, you're just a really lazy suicidal person. <laughs> I'm the same way. So what, that's like extraterrestrial ideation or abductive ideation. Absolutely. I'm like, please just take me. Have you ever read? We should maybe to add on an ending. note. have you ever read? There's a because my we've been going for two and a half hours now. And my dog is yelling. Oh, at shit. Me. Have you ever read the book extraterrestrial sex fetish? No, I highly recommend it. It's like basically like 100, uh, 101 days of Sodom, but with aliens. <gasps> it was written by somebody named it was written by somebody named supervert it is as the kids say nsfw but uh i i i thought that was i thought it was awesome i have a book on my shelf up here somewhere called uh come for bigfoot <laughs> my friend gave me for my birthday it was, is, this, is this a chuck tingle book it might be. It's a self-published book from Amazon. And uh, I did read it and I was like, ah, this is hilarious. And then I got a boner. <laughs> nice. So do you know, do you, do you, do you know Chuck Tingle? I know the name. Is he the one who writes like those gay, like <laughs> yeah. books? Yeah. It's like, it's like he writes all these ridiculous books on Amazon. This is like pounded in the ass by Bigfoot or like, yeah, yeah. Like I can't even remember some of the names, but they're all like genius. I, I saw probably one that was like so fucked money. in the ass with an ass or something. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we should end on that note. I mean, that's absolutely uh, hybrid. There we go. We've we've we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. All right. Well, oh, well, plug, please. Where can people find out about you and stuff? So I have theinvisiblecabin.com. That's the with two E's, invisiblecabin.com. That's um, basically I'm doing this like really quiet uh, podcast that is uh, on Patreon. And it's just, it really doesn't have much of a format. It's a lot of just um, talking through brain stuff, talking through navigating mental illness and uh, all over the place. Funny at times, sometimes not super funny, but um Again, no format. It's just it's just like a safe place to bounce thoughts around, and people seem to really like it, and that's cool. Um, and I oh, and then if you go to uh, just any of the podcast places that have podcasts, if you go to the Bailey J Show, which is the show I used to have, um, I've posted a couple free episodes of The Invisible Cabin just so people can get a vibe for what I'm doing there. Uh, TS-BaileyJ.com. If you're 18 years or older, I do porn. That's how I pay my bills. And uh, your baileyjjay.com is uh, my something. It's either, I think that's my OnlyFans, but that's how I'm paying so that I can read. <laughs> nice. 
Very cool. All right. Well, it was really good to catch up. And yeah, you too. Let's definitely catch up again soon and have you back on the show. All right. Hope you really enjoyed that conversation. I definitely had a lot of fun doing that one. Introduction to Magic is back on magic.me or released in its full form, its full and final form for the first time. Magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. The course is Introduction to Magic, the all new, all simplified binary magic approach to changing your reality. Have at it. All right. Lots of love. See you next time.